Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Sean Cole. To my right is... Colin Heron. And here once again... Dominic Phelan, thank you for having me. Woo! Yo! Dominic. Here, see, before we start anything, right? Uh, <laughs> I heard... <laughs> it's got nothing to do with films, it's got something to do with TV show. I heard probably one of the best stories I've ever heard in my life today. Workway Boy, uh, called Noel. Was the Bible by any chance? No. No, it's not the Bible. No, it's alright. <laughs> Somehow Columbo, the TV series, came up in discussion, mm. and he told me, and he actually sent me photographic proof of this, his man is apparently absolutely obsessed with Columbo. Like, <laughs> they should go they, try. No, they, no, is it the thing? Is the thing? No, it doesn't matter. It's it just crochet like Columbo's everywhere on a shelf. Let me finish. <laughs> what do you call it? Right, uh, he showed me this picture of his of his man's living room wall, and there's just wee tiny photo. <laughs> There's just a wee tiny photo of Nolan, like his first communion when he's like eight or nine, <laughs> and then this fucking huge photo of Columbo beside him on the living room wall. No, but it gets better, right? You just see the top of his head, and she just actually will they take a big photo of Columbo. She don't give a fuck about her <laughs> the Wayne's first <laughs> communion. <laughs> it's the Virgin Mary statue, Nolan, and it's like fuck off, Peter Fox, it's Columbo. But uh, it gets even better, right? Is that uh, I, I actually fucking push me. Should be great if you turn around and saw. That's actually your dad. He <laughs> 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 just, but the best thing is, apparently, right? The, That's your real dad. The sketch, the sketch of Columbo, <laughs> it's this pencil sketch that Peter Falk done himself because apparently he used to draw pictures of himself and sell them before the internet. So, like, he saved up, apparently, it was like fucking £300 back in the 80s, they buy one. But anyway, when Peter Falk died, this how obsessed Noel's man was with Columbo, she had a massive from. <laughs> <laughs> she asked the priest to say mass for Peter Falk. Never met him in her fucking life. Sent fucking Bridget Falk or whatever we mask yard. <laughs> picture, picture that conversation. Going up to the procreal house. Here, fella, you wouldn't say a mass for Columbo, would you? Just you know what I mean? What the fuck is that? Say we mass for Columbo, John. I don't know. Cheers. No, no, no. Here, fella, just one more thing. Uh, I'm sorry. Here's a, here's a wee look, Spenny, as well. Just I know you boys don't get much money, but it's just. Just get a wee mention of math there. Everybody shows up though, you know, on a fucking overcoat just. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking spit a gadget there, so what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Thought that'd be a nice icebreaker though. Um, what date are we on? It's, it's the, the 18th. 18th. Yep. So I'm day 18 into my no drinking for September. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gee. 
It's going grandly. <laughs> I know what this is. You can't see him at the minute, listeners, but oh. it is the present sight. Usually this man will be half strewn over that table at the minute. Fuck that he has brains. But he's now drinking... He's now drinking coffee. Coffee out of a Star Wars mug. It is truly a sad, sad sight. I, I, I'm not on heroin anymore. My, 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 new, my new drug is called... Caffeine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called uh, caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's even worse? He's brought a flask with him. <laughs> you have a flask? Oh, fuck hey, you. He's got his own wee flask. Wee flask of oh. coffee. When you write, when Bless you write, him. <laughs> when you write in the toilet just before Dom was going to be a really devious bastard and pour some like Jameson was going to make an Irish coffee and I was all, don't do that. Shit. That's awful. That would have been very cheeky. What have you released so far? Um, 90 points. Hey, what's a 20 pound jump? Yeah. Doing good. What was your aim? Just like a 100 pounder? It was, was uh, anything. It's good? 150. Oh, you'll get there. So. Aye, you'll get there. I still have the sponsor. That's what I actually has it, has it happened. <laughs> Should get that 150 sweet just with the people on the stand. <laughs> yeah, well, I won't go that far. Like, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm watching it. Which one do you think I'm making? Like? I work at a boy who's mad obsessed with Columbo for fuck's sake. Tell her it's a. Shell marks the bookshelf in Bernardo's just. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody does want to donate, you can go to justgiving.com forward slash less drinking, more giving. Bam. I'll give you a silver dollar next time I see you, sure. Have a silver dollar. <laughs> it's burning up my pocket. I got nothing to do with Oh, enough, I do have one of them. Uh, Nine years ago, they had the fucking Diana. I've always wondered. It's mine. They had the special Diana fibers, the coin fiber. That's they not. Were, that's not legal tender. I, that's what I was going to say. So you can't use those. I was scammed a couple of months ago. I was dying to use it. Why have you got a Diana? I don't know what. It came under my person when I was like eight, and I've just never been able to rub myself it because even though it's money, you can't spend it. What the fuck are you using it? I got a week's detention of school when Diana died because. They went round the class. Who you suspect? He was in the tunnel. Like, I, how much you the tires on? Their last, their last call the kids like how you felt when uh, I was like, I don't care. Nor do my parents. We've just haven't watched TV for the last four days, so I had to stay in for <laughs> all lunchtime for a week. Oh man, show more compassion. Yeah, You're on, very uh, cool on the subject, uh, I heard a joke from uh, this really, really proper Englishman the other day. And uh, it was like, it's all. Are, so, are, you, are you saying Dom isn't a proper English <laughs> No, I'm a, I'm a no. mud blood. He's a plastic paddy. <laughs> he's a plastic paddy. He's, he's hippogriff. But uh, hippogriff, Hufflepuff, doesn't matter. <laughs> jokes <laughs> jokes <laughs> lost, time has passed. Harry, Harry Potter, fucking superstar uh, fan here. Like. Yeah, anyway, let's move swiftly on. Uh, <laughs> but, he's uh, embarrassed himself. But this guy's really, really polished and really, but he, he, like, he has about a million things going on, but occasionally he'll just fucking throw these jokes out. And he's also. Uh, Charles, is, he, he was reversing out of the drive, and then uh, and, uh, he uh, he reverses over, and I'm like, uh, oh, oh, double, uh, what's his fucking wife's name? <laughs> <laughs> Victoria? No. no, Elizabeth? No, the, the queen? fucking, no, the one he's married, yeah, yeah. Kamala. Oh, right, fuck, I was completely lost. So he, he's, all, he's all, so he reverses over Camilla's favourite cat, and he's like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> and so uh, this genie pops up, and he says, uh, just at the same time, and he says, <laughs> so I'll grant you one wish. And he says, oh, can you bring Camilla's cat back to life? And he says, oh, afraid not. Afraid not. He's all, anything else, anything else. <laughs> he says, all, so well, you understand that I'm married to Camilla now, yeah? He's all, yes, yes, I read the papers. <laughs> is there any way you can make, everything's great with Camilla, everything's great. But is there anything you can make, any way you can make Camilla look a bit more like Diana? <laughs> and he says, he says, Let's have another look at that cat. 
He's a fucking white man. I love as well the Prince Charles yet again has morphed on the Hugh Grant. <laughs> 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 oh, he has. I could say fucking has. That was Hugh Grant territory. Like, uh, it was, was, was kind of awfully terribly, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's my awfully terribly. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was Hugh Grant that just like come up was there like. I was fucking not like Prince Charles. That's basically like that voice had not seen fucking military fucking action like you. Well, neither would chance that now. Every day on a biopic of Prince Charles, look no further than this one here. He's got acting chef. He's got the voice thing to a T. He's went when women were looking at Kamala. Does Rocky want to say to get shit in the basement? Like you know. Okay, we shall move on to. <laughs> it's not hero's journey it's not hero's journey we don't do that anymore right. it's been so long since I heard the hero's journey thing it sounded like a fucking Baywatch theme or something <laughs> let's move on to the speedboat round or something I was like what the fuck says here we'll move on to who's your favourite speedboat danger <laughs> <laughs> every time it never gets old every, every time, time it gets me still sinister um, as fuck Dom D- Dominic, yeah. y- your your inaugural danger bottle. AK yeah. the the tightest man in the tavern. His first danger bottle. <laughs> 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 no, Armai was tightest man in the tavern for a while. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, oh, he's a fucking scared man. Oh, I've got two danger bottles. Oh, oh bless him! I take oh, this, bless him. This, 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 this <laughs> is so a re- repeating danger bottle. <laughs> oh, is it a repeat? It's all coming up, crampets. We've just repeated a danger bottle. I've repeated a danger bottle. Name them. It's all right. You have two. Right. Okay. Well, should we not get Colm to read them out? If you want to, Colm. If 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 you want to partake, if you must. The first danger bottle is. Try to pick up a voice though. Do, do the same one you did last time. That was horrific. I, I, I didn't get. I was bogging that guy, wasn't I? <laughs> Absolutely bogging. Giuseppe, his character. <laughs> Giuseppe. I know. No, it was uh, Alessandro. <laughs> 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 yeah, Alessandro. <laughs> Number one, two weeks, great success. Hannah <laughs> 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 Montano. Hannah Montano. Roll, roll, ground. Sounds like fucking. What do you call that? El Nort. Fucking Nort. El Nombre. El Nombre. I sound like fucking El Nombre. El Nombre. El Nombre. Get hair with sombrero immediately. I fuck. I loved El Nombre Bring El Nombre back. was a fucking bad content wasn't he <laughs> you, don't, you didn't watch El Nombre as a kid in school he was just this Mexican I think he was a teddy bear and he just counted numbers all the time he no, was, was off his rat. fucking was a wee rat. head <laughs> he was a wee rat he was a literal he was a rat with a sombrero or whatever and they all sombreros and all and then uh, if you didn't know how to count data like five or something he would he would, <laughs> he would, <laughs> he would <laughs> no he would dance it out in the sand remember <laughs> he would dance it out at the end you know, you see, a couple of times soon he was feeling fancy he used to lasso it on the sand I, no he would lasso it on that sky they fucked us on an off day come out no not, not, not dancing that day but I'll last year we fucking <laughs> I'll whoop a few 14s up my wall just <laughs> you can't get the second time he fucking pistol whoop you like alright <laughs> right, go here and first voice comes in their head oh, bam for fuck's sake that's all sangria <laughs> I do that one all the fucking it's, it's time I fucking Jerry Wilson I can't even fucking see see a light in this fucking studio Mickey ah oh, fucking uh, <laughs> oh we got a light don't worry we got you covered oh, fuck we got a light hey. <laughs> Jesus Christ Mickey you thought yeah, I I'm only starting to roll on the look <laughs> alright I want to read the Spanish one <laughs> una excente <laughs> that is fucking that voice <laughs> Una exante, bebida, divino, tinto, <laughs> citricos, 
It's the sangria sapudi. <laughs> <laughs> this through the inlash, Romanos con amigos. <laughs> oh, como, un apavito. Todos los días. Para Sevilla, buenos. I'm getting bored out now, so just move on then. Because <laughs> an, an exciting drink of wine and citrus. This sangria can be enjoyed with friends for a party or an everyday aperitif. I remember reading this, actually. It was me. I fucking got this one. <laughs> you got this one. Here, we'll, we'll move on to Dom's other one. Why have you got for What's this? Dom, Jolly, read that one out yourself. Okay. We have... Uh, Classic Bucks Fizz. Oh, yes. Uh, have you ever drunk Bucks Fizz? I have before? indeed, sir. Well, I've never In drunk many Bucks parks? Fizz before. And I can't even I can't even pronounce that word. <laughs> fizz. Um, no. <laughs> Bucks. Bucks. Aromatized. Puck. Aromatized? Yeah, aromatized, though. Aromat- Jesus. Aromatized wine based cocktail. <laughs> A sparkling drink. Doesn't help. Made <laughs> with white wine and orange juice. Basically, we can just mix it all in together. I reckon fuck the sangria and the box fuzz and let's make yeah. it a party. Yeah. Buck gria. Buck gria. Buck the golden bridge. Sangria fuzz, whatever you want. You drank it out of a fucking gypsy Much sock. Like you we <laughs> what did you say to your gypsy instead of just? <laughs> you would drink it out of a gypsy <laughs> sock. Or like Gandhi's flop flop, as they say. Oh, yeah. Caravan style. <laughs> Drinking pish out of a gypsy's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Celebration, bitches. Oh, suck it up. Oh, that geez. is saucy. Dom's right he's, in there. He's done that before. <laughs> he's definitely done that before. Right in the head, hey. Cheers, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, in the schnaz. It's gone on his neck, all that, Ella. Pass me that box fuzz Are immediately. Are you combining it then, or what? Yeah, do you want to mix the two of them sangria and box fuzz? Fuck it, why not? I'll do it. I'll do this concoction. That's not as nice as a Lambrini. What? I've nev- that sentence will never be said again. Do you want some drink for head there, Sean? I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Everybody's fucking looking at me. Back ahead and then as well. Two seconds. Lazy one. Right, so we're doing a bit of sangria. I know what, what we call it again. Sa- San Bokria fizz. Yeah, that works. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it looks like Coke. <laughs> oh, jeez. Coke with a head on it. Looks like a pint of Guinness. That's essentially a spritzer. That's, That's seven up sangria and box fuzz. No need for a red wine top. No need for that. A wee red wine topper. We drop it. Like. Uh, That's it. We, we red wine head on it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little splash. Just just a little plaid. I love and that. And a pint again. That's where a brandy topper on uh, as well. Uh, no, I'm joking. Bunch of crafty bastards around here. Let me have I, the first fucking I know no one else is drinking this. <laughs> this could be my final word, so if so, fuck is all. That's actually fucking delicious. Uh, Surprisingly nice. Do you know in Bel- I remember when I was a student, me and my friend, you know, he, uh, you know snake bite, beer. Ah, I have cider oh, and beer. Yeah. Lovely. Cider and beer. Absolutely mean hangover. So good. That's you nice, know, that's, isn't it? You know how we really take a wee sip of so beer in the morning and they get rid of a fucking hangover? So what is this? This is seven up here. Now, uh, a, f- a fun fact for our listeners, if you're ever uh, looking glass. for a, a high danger glass, Try seven up sangria and box fizz. Make for a refreshing cocktail for when you're fucked. And Fuck me, that's a Oh, we, we top red wine. It's nice. It is a tasty beverage. I think we've just made a new cocktail. What we call it? Oh, I think we've just actually yeah. made sangria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've, just, we've made sangria and then added more sangria. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, fair enough. We have to name it though. That's name a cool it. Do you want what we call the Gypsy Suck? There we go. We've made a cocktail. The Gypsy Suck. The gypsy Happy suck. days. <laughs> Sounds a good. For now, we have to make a class. We'll call it the Gypsy's Frog. <laughs> <laughs> gypsy's blocked. <laughs> gypsy's pretty blocked, dude. Uh, right. Uh, what have we watched this week, folks? Now, fuck it. I'll start love. Uh, this week, I do it every year. Always want to go back, and obviously because we're all big fucking John Carpenter fans here. Rewatches films, but particularly kind of Halloween and, and like obviously the sort of bigger films. So I rewatched Halloween this week. I'm not going to talk too much about Halloween because it's obviously a Stone Cold classic and it's been discussed before. What I do want to talk about is I also watched <laughs> Halloween <laughs> Two this week. No, hadn't seen Halloween Two. I think. Hey, Mama Pumpkins. First one's got the pumpkin intro as well. Is there not like Pumpkin Masters or something? No, what the fuck's that? What's that? that must that have been three? like a night terror you had or something. No, there's one where Michael Myers hasn't done it. Too. That's Halloween 3, season of Witch. Uh, basically, after Halloween 2... There's not boys beating around me pumpkins for uh, heads. That's fucking absolute ridiculous. Uh, all right, then, uh, now, fair enough, most of the fucking sequels, maybe bar 2, are absolutely atrocious, but 3 yeah. is always seen as a kind of fucking nat air. Like. Yeah. Uh, they, they took Michael Myers out of it because they thought after 1 and 2, John Kirpner, who had nothing to do with 3, or any of the rest of them except 1 and 2, decided uh, that Michael Myers story is done. So they thought, oh, let's completely like make it like an anthology series and take Michael Myers out of it and just, just make it like now. you know a, a standalone horror film. It's probably a good it, idea, like it was a good, but it was just executed so badly. But watched Halloween two because I hadn't seen it since I was like eight. Obviously, besides Halloween, all the sequels get a lot of flack. Two's kind of wee bit respected. Six point five on IMDb has some decent results. You know, I mean, six point five is pretty standard. Many Halloween films are there, right? Eight. No, there were seven the original, and then Rob Zombie recreated it. He done a remake of Halloween. I think it was in two thousand and seven, and then he there's another one. He done a Halloween well, two in two thousand and nine. So te- I think there's nine Halloween films all together, and only really one of them are good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is pretty bad. Christ but yeah. rewatched Halloween two. What I completely forgot about is uh, if you're familiar with Halloween, Halloween two literally takes place like five seconds after Halloween. So it's <laughs> it, I mean like it's a direct. It's Laurie. Obviously spoilers for Halloween, but Laurie uh, at the end of Halloween. Loomis shoots fucking Michael Myers off the balcony and he fucking collapses and then they look out the balcony and he's gone. Is that Donald Pleasant? Aye, Donald Pleasant's here. And then the start of Halloween 2 is uh, it's a repeat. Mm. The first scene is a repeat of the last scene where Loomis fucking looks down and he's gone and then it's Loomis running out of the house and he's like, oh, I shot him six times, I shot him six times. Going mm. fucking mad just. And all fairness, some fucking <coughs> naff dialogue in, in I, Halloween 2. I, I really like your rendition of the score. You, you know, you're going, dun, dun, dun. if you actually slow it down a wee bit, you're, you're actually bang on. It's like, Dead, 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 the only reason I want to watch two again and not rewatch really the rest of them is because Kirpner was still involved. He wrote it and he produced it. Right on. But I was always kind of baffled at why he didn't direct it. And in an interview, he says, he basically says that he had a look at the script and he was all, why would I want to direct this film? I've already made this film once before already, but I'll happily make fucking cash off it. Like, I would good because Kirpner's always been right on and kind of admitting when someone's not been great. And he says that obviously, again, spoilers for Halloween 2. The twist at the end of Halloween 2 is that, obviously, Michael Myers and Laurie are brother and sister, which you don't find out in Halloween 1, and Carpenter admitted that that, that brainwave came to him at 3 o'clock in the morning when he was sitting in front of a typewriter with six cans. <laughs> <laughs> he says that he despises that plot twist, but he needed an interesting way to try and close out the film. Uh, most of it takes place in the hospital. There's some cheap scares, but the main thing I wanted to get on to, and it's, it's, it's been really kind of noticed, the difference between Halloween and Halloween 2. 
is that Halloween was pretty much it's kind of seen in film history as as starting a slasher film. Before that, there was films like Black Christmas, who kind of used that voyeur sort of Michael Myers shot of you know the killer, you know slaying his victims and stuff. But started the slasher film. Looking back at Halloween, it's there's no gore in it. And the violence isn't that bad. Halloween is actually more like a kind of direct, uh, directly influenced by Psycho. It's more like kind of the fact that nothing's happening scarier, and uh, it's more it's, psychological horror. Yeah. And it's not the blood it's, and gore that you, you would expect. Your, it's uh, just what you see in your mind is scary. Exactly. It's the suspense. It's the suspense. Exactly. So it's more akin to Hitchcock as opposed to say like a, a Friday the Thirteenth. And that's what's always really can I think must remember about the first Halloween is that it's not this gore fest. But mm. I think the fact that because it started slashers and because it was essentially the original. <laughs> It's always kind of tired with, but what's really, really interesting is that Halloween 2 is ridiculously over the top, and it's so gory, and people are getting fucking needles in their eyeballs, and there's people are getting blown uh. up and shit like that there. And what I always find interesting is that the reason that Halloween 2 had to be a lot gorier is because it was competing with the likes of Friday the 13th and all the more gory slasher films right at the time. So mm. I always find it interesting that the creator had to become the imitator they keep up with the imitation, you know what I mean? Same as Scream, we were talking about last Same as Scream as well, yeah. and what's interesting as well is that obviously it, it suffered for it, because the main strength of Halloween, the original, and why it was so well considered, <sighs> is because it's this great psychological horror, and it's this build-up, and Michael Myers doesn't really do much in the first one, he's just kind of standing on backgrounds and stuff like that there, and fucking hiding behind cars and bushes, <clears throat> not doing a while lot, but it's the sense of dread, you're thinking, fuck, what is he going to uh, do? And that's what scares and, you more, uh, it's the atmosphere. And Halloween too kind of nails some of the aesthetics of Halloween 1 I think the the director Rick Rosenhaus is he was handpicked by Kerbner Rick Rosenhaus said that he wanted to obviously maintain that same aesthetic because John Kerbner created it so well and he does he, the music's the same and it's the same kind of sort of DP setup and stuff but the fact that it is a lot gorier and just a lot more sloggy it, it falls down big time but no, it, was, it was just it was interesting to fucking see it like. this week I watched Man on a Ledge has, has anyone seen it? Ah, it's, the, it's Sam Worthington. Remember? Oh, right, no, I haven't. No. <laughs> I thought it was something else. Sorry. What would you? Man on wire. I thought it was man on wire. Man on a ledge. ledge. Is, it, is it like? Is uh, it's like phone booth, yeah. except he's on a ledge and there's no phone. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of like a crime th- thriller kind of film, and I, I think it's it's the last kind of one of them kind of middling budget kind of thrillers. That uh, were actually decent, yeah. <laughs> like Vantage it's Point or something like that. <laughs> so bad, I want the sunrise yet. But uh, I think on because now, now you have the big budget films, and then you have the low budget indie stuff, and the kind of middle has fallen out, and you don't get as much of these kind of decent casts with like a just like a. Was that a Looper film would probably fall into that one? Yeah, hmm. because <clears> it's <throat> it's, a, it's a great cast. They have they have Sam Worthington, Elizabeth Banks, Ed Harris, mm. uh, Jamie Bell. Yeah, son, I, I would actually let Ed Harris Mandy Gonzalez <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Mackie who the fuck I, I, I love the way you renamed this huge cast and then Dom's all Mandy Gonzalez who the fuck's that <laughs> Titus Welvers in it as well Patrick ah, Collins the man with the worst Irish accent of all time <laughs> Genesis Rodriguez well, no, she, I, I, Genesis I, Rodriguez she's done like one film I uh, think <laughs> what, what's the worst I, just quickly what's the worst character name ever I think I have the worst one Seagal film Mason Storm. Oh, <laughs> what? No, well, we talked about it like a week ago. It has to be fucking Arnie from Commando. John Matrix. <laughs> that is absolutely Jesus ridiculous. John, John Matrix. It's so fucking bad. Yeah. Dom, what, your suggestion? What, what is it? There's. I think it was a joke in The Simpsons or something, but the main character of a script is called John Everyman. <laughs> 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 I think it's Family Guy, actually. 
uh, pretty much just defines every character <laughs> Tom Hanks has ever played. <laughs> well, we, but you know what? You actually going back to that. I think you made a really good point there. Now that those sort of muddling, not just muddling thrillers or, or muddling crime films, but muddling films in general. Uh, for me personally, I think budget wise are starting to sort of die because now blockbusters are getting so gargantuanly big that they're kind of swallowing up the whole box office so then all the rest there of is money, always a market for it I think yeah there but I mean like no, I'm saying like there's always a market and I'm not complaining about that but I'm just saying cause no but I'm saying for the middle budget though, I think there, there always there's, there's always a, a market slight market but I think it's definitely decreased because now it's our huge budget or like sort of your mumblecore or like a small indie and those kind of mullaroo <clears> films <throat> They're more few, and they're not completely gone, obviously, and they never no. will be. But they're more few and far between. That's it's it's, definitely it's a good point. Do you know what it takes? What it takes it takes an actor usually to come to one of these, and then they, they suddenly have put it. Like for example, you know, like everything must go. Or something. Well, Farrell, that wouldn't have been yeah. anything without him. Like you know, I mean, I, yeah. that that probably would have still been a lower low budget one. It was still quite low, but I'm saying things like that. You know, if that film had any action or set pieces on it or something like that, there. Then it would have been considered. It was just just below it. You know what I mean. Say, well, well, for all saying on that too, would have got a few more financiers on there. Uh, no, but that's the, the writer director of it. They he went straight to Will Ferrell. They asked him, and you know, Will Ferrell said he, he like he knew like he was very open about it, and he says, "Well, I thought you'd be great for this, but I do need a name like yourself." Mm-hmm. They do it, and that's why Will Ferrell was like, right, "Well, you know." Nor underrated feral dramatic turn, strange in fiction. Well, so I yeah, fucking yeah. love that film. Such I a good really film. Love yeah. film well. I love that film. Man, I'll age you. Um, yeah, it's a. I think it's. I think it's a solid film. It's an interesting story. There's obviously shit bits in it. There's this whole dynamic between Jamie Bell and his girlfriend. They're actually breaking into the place. I just realized I haven't said the plot of it. There's a man <laughs> on this ledge, right? Serious? <laughs> no, Sa- Sam Worthington has been I framed. Like shop or something. Sa- Sam Worthington has been framed for stealing this diamond off Ed Harris. So his his plan is he's bro- he's broken out of jail and he's he's standing on this ledge to cause a distraction and then Jamie Bell and then is, I'm over here is, is, yeah. and then his fucking brother. Martin Riggs shows up and fuck <laughs> and uh, now we go <laughs> ja- Jamie Jamie Bell who's his brother then breaks into the building where Ed Har- it's Ed Harris's building he's like a property kind of mogul in guy. all fairness Ed Harris owns every building they but they're breaking into his building to prove that he, Ed Harris still has the diamond and he did it for like the insurance on it or whatever. So that's that's the whole part of the film. But yeah, mm, but yeah, I think I think it's a solid film. There's a few hokey bits as I was saying, like Jamie Bell and his girlfriend as they're breaking in doing this big kind of heist thing, have arguments about their relationship and no, stuff like that, and you're just like. Just stop uh, the witty banter and just fucking concentrate on like, what you're doing. Because like. you definitely made it in real life. You'd be shit yourself. I know. Like, <laughs> I mean, doesn't matter how cool Cam and collected you. Because it's it's kind of uh, cool how they're breaking in. Because it's all kind of like homemade shit. Because uh, Sam Worthington was a cop, so he's told them how to do all this mm-hmm. stuff. And like, there's heat sensors, and they just use the fire extinguisher to cool themselves down. And all air kind of mm-hmm. like it's all kind of kind of homemade kind of shit that they're breaking uh, away. They don't have fucking gadgets and all that. CFA is breaking under somewhere and uh, Jeffrey started giving me fucking grief. I just would have fucking Robert De Niro, Jackie Brown there, hey? <laughs> Definitely. Just fucking <laughs> tune it back. Just there, there, see <laughs> after. There is a, there is, tap, just there is a funny line where his girlfriend snap. has to crawl through a vent to get into the next room and she starts freaking out. She's all, no, I can't do it, I can't do it. And they get into this argument and Jimmy Bell is all, you can be angry. Just be angry in the vent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Jamie Bell. 
You don't like? Nah. I like him. There's just something about him. Tell us this. Who's seeing the film? Does Ed Harris start dashing out leg drops or what? <laughs> <laughs> Ed Harris looks quite weird. I think he lost like a good bit of weight before. Not for the role. Like, just I think he was trying to be healthy or whatever. But his head looks really big. Do you know what it is? It's probably because his neck's got thinner. You notice that with people Aye. use, but he, they can't look like fucking pinheads. Because he was he ever speak about Ed Harris, he was a unit. Again, fu- <laughs> you know what I mean? Because Ed Harris was probably the hardest bastard on earth. He was a fucking unit in Gone Girl, hey? Aye, and Gone Girl, Brassant. Brassant in Gone yeah, Girl. Fair enough, fair and he's yeah. fucking spitting on his fucking fist not there outside chatting about stealing a wine no? oh, doesn't yeah. give a flying fuck hardest yeah. man I've ever seen me if you put a shock on my face I'd fucking do it every time in Gonger in Gonger I'll try not gone baby gone yeah I was gonna say it's like Ed Harris wasn't in Gonger he could have been if he wanted to be sitting here thinking it's like who the fuck is Ed Harris in Gonger Ed Harris could have been the fucking wife in Gonger he wanted to be Ed Harris could have been fucking Batman if he wanted to be like oh that would be so good imagine Ed Harris is fucking Batman Jesus it's fucking messy so good. He'd be a good Alfred as well. What do you fuck? Alfred? <laughs> You're just going on as if he can play anything. You say Alfred, he's like, what do you fuck? Could, could <laughs> Alfred's a fucking geck. Could, yeah, but he can, make, he can make him cool. Z Harris, who, you remember the Batman where Christopher Walken plays that character? Max Shrek. Could Eric, Named Eric, after an Osiratu's actor. Is that an actual character from the comic series? No. No, it was completely created. Uh, right. Tim Burton, obviously Tim Burton massively open. influenced by German Expressionism, right, was see. hugely influenced by Nosferatu, and the actor who played Count Orloff in Nosferatu was called Max right. Schreck. We discussed this in episode. I thought maybe Ed Harris could play him. But. And Hearn brought up a point that I never knew. And they named him Max Schreck after, obviously, the vampire from Nosferatu because... Because... Uh, he was a blood sucker, and uh, Shrek uh, was sucking the energy out of Gotham. So it was just a uh, reference to German I expression. I like that. Never caught that myself. Mm-hmm. Is that why Shrek's called Shrek? <laughs> <laughs> He's sucking the life out of the fairy tale forest. <laughs> su- sucking the money out of Wayne's pockets. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I saw two films this week. The The Necessary Death of Charlie Countryman. Oh, fuck, I was going to say Have you heard of it? Nah. No. Uh, Charlie Booth. Charlie Booth. Mr. Le Booth. Mm-hmm. To be honest... Evan Rachel mm, Wood as well, isn't it? Was a, yeah, Evan Rachel mm. Wood and... Christoph Waltz. I don't know the name of that. Christoph Waltz the baddie from Glorious Bastards. No, I don't think he's in that. Mad, Mads, uh, Mickelson. Ah, oh, fucking Mickelson. Yeah, no, crazy Viking from They're all same, really, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> no, They're all English. I only, I only saw maybe <laughs> joke, three quarters of the film, and then my auntie deleted it off the Sky Plus. Well, I can't. Mm-hmm. Why you were watching it? No, no, no. I thought she was like, your night's crack. Plus she had mind control, she just deleted it off my brain. <laughs> she got I, that wee fucking job in a minute, I'm like, I just <laughs> wiped them. She didn't want you to see any violence because she just walks on and goes, that's the end. <laughs> Do you know what she wiped it off for? Little Women in LA, oh. Dance Moms 2, oh fucking God. Real Housewives of New what Jersey, and Beverly Hills. I didn't even write them. I live in a house full of women. I'd, you I'd really you need to get off that farm left. Do you know what Little Woman in LA is? It's a bunch of dwarfs having shit arguments <laughs> with like <laughs> dread music. No, I kind of, I kind of like your dad's, but I don't know. It's a bit exploitative. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is Jessica thinking? I'm I'm an actual person. I'm not a I'm not a circus freak. <laughs> 
like, that kind of <laughs> bullshit <laughs> thing. And what do they do for a living? Just be I, I don't know. And they just they just walk around being dwarfs. <laughs> See, the, the, they get paid for being this, this generation. And, then, and then they come out okay so I've got we had an argument after the where I accused you of being circus freaks so I decided well I'll go and fly down to New Orleans <laughs> you know that, that background music makes it happen like I've just grown as a person over this episode Jessica got really drunk on the on the plane <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said uh, by accident there was a big bottling session at the end. <laughs> started just putting the fuck out each other bottles. Start glassing each other. I just started glassing each other. Like a bunch of really violent yeah, last, ten, last 10 minutes was a big bottling <laughs> session. Just <laughs> fucking cock. The thing I find quite interesting. At the end, about Gordon Ramsay, happy days, all sorted. <laughs> Six months later, they have a, they have a new restaurant now. <laughs> You're mixing shoes. I what know. are you talking about, Gordon that's Ramsay? John Benton. That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you love you're not confined by conventions like no, you know no, I mean? all that haircut look right. people, people trying to put me in boxes like no. yeah I mean you both don't look you punch a box in the head it. go for it well, to be honest <laughs> 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 to be honest it's, it's good that we started talking about a different show because the film was uh, have you seen it Colm no I've I, I seen a few trailers for it and I always wanted to see it it was it's, it's alright the only thing I could compare it to is maybe the beach it's that kind of feel if you're a teenager if you're in your early 20s, yeah. you want to sort of run away. and ch- Basically, Shia LaBeouf's mum dies at the beginning of the film. So he needs to run away and sort of, you know, get control of his life again. So he fucks off to Bucharest, capital of Romania, mm-hmm. and he meets this Romanian girl who's a cello player, and she's beautiful and everything's going really well, but there's a gangster boyfriend in the background. But he... Remember we were talking last week when about me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, where oh, everything seems really interesting and perfect all the time. I got that feeling from that film that it was just just a wee bit sentimental, yeah. wee bit right. cheesy. We about glossy. A wee, a wee bit glossy. Yeah. And he's running. There, there was a no point sta- where he's no running. Stakes, you mean? Hey? There was no stakes, you mean? Like you'd never felt in danger in the film? Well, I, I'm guessing it would have got to the point where it got a wee bit more dangerous. But it just seemed too easy. Like, if you couldn't speak any Romanian and you ended up in Bucharest in Romania, um, I don't know I don't know how corrupt Romania is a country, but you, that far yeah. southeastern Europe, excluding Greece, you know, they're going to... And an American yeah, just turns up without speaking. Stuff like that. I mean, they're, they're all pretty good standards. Yeah. I think as well, that, and it's a song that's thrown at Hollywood all the time, is that it's just this kind of underhand or subtle racism that Hollywood has got in representing any other place on earth. It was it was never it was never showing that like it was dodgy or anything. But the fact that he could just wander in and he went to a hostel and it's like, Oh, everyone has to be a certain age here. It's free, you can stay here and then he meets up with Jay from the Inbetweeners and Ron Weasley. Are they on it? Yeah, yeah, they're in it. Ron 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 Weasley is trying to make it as a porn star. Oh my <laughs> And Jay Jay is just bang on the fucking magic gun. All the time. Do, do, do you know what guns are? Wingers, just uh, pills. You know, what, disco biscuits, whatever. Uh, They're just doing that shit Gary all the time. Uh, so, just and and he falls in love with this this girl. He meets her dad on the plane flight there, and he dies. And then <laughs> I'm guessing at the end of the film he dies. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called the necessary death of Charlie Countryman. Mm. However. It got a 6.4 on IMDb, but then on Rotten Tomatoes, it was 24%. Oh. So you could definitely go in between. 
because I wasn't actually sad that it, I was say? I was annoyed that I couldn't mm-hmm. I couldn't like sort it? of end <laughs> the train passed I was like I'm not getting on it well I got on and then got off the next stop that's the best <laughs> thing to say for it uh, <laughs> no, I was saying it about that on between a joke uh, but I'm like it's applicable it's very early but I know they were like going and the I stole my watch. I thought there was something interesting about uh, the, the, the trailer to me. That I think I'm, I stole my watch. Yeah, um, I probably got a bit better towards the, the part that I when couldn't see. Toward, <laughs> towards uh, the when, necessary when ticket punching of Charlie Contraman. <laughs> also, you know the way you were saying that your aunt's really on that show with the dwarves? Yeah. Is she that on there that she's got framed for Rose and loving them? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> what you can do, Columbia? She really loves dance mums too, which is Does even she worse. she dance mums and loving them? Bigger photo than yourself. No, well, she keeps going. I just, I just like watching the little girls dancing. Is that like, you just love all the arguments that these women have <laughs> about their children. Yeah. <laughs> you love the suffering <laughs> of these fucking you children. You crave the suffering. You crave it. The, the. Um, you don't drink or smoke, so you crave that. You crave mushroom you if you don't drink or smoke. Is that the message you're putting you out bitch. now? Yes. <laughs> 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 no, how's Mickey feeling? <laughs> I, can well, con- I, I can concur with that. Mickey just says he fucking pick fights with taxi drivers now. He's just all I. No, don't go for the demo. Go down a flyover. He's like, yeah, it's fucking two hours. Go down a fucking flyover, you baldy cunt. See that air freshener too? I'm fucking ripping that off and stuck in my pocket as well. Yeah, fucking fleece wearing bastard. Yeah, fleece wearing. Uh, and then, uh, boys, just like, Jesus Christ, I'm like, he's just like, oh, fuck's sake, he doesn't even try and argue with me. I went downhill quick. Uh, uh, fucking hell, Mickey, have another cup of coffee. You're, you're spiraling there. I'm, I'm running out of coffee. You got a whole flask, Mickey? No, The flask is done! The flask's nearly Jesus, up. you really are addicted. I thought you were bluffing earlier on because now you live a miserable life because you don't drink and you're no crack anymore. <laughs> but uh, can we move on then to topics? Let's, let's be honest. I wasn't much crack before. Oh, you were a lovely <laughs> crack. No, Dom's still talking. Oh, you saw, Oh, you have another film talking? Sorry. sorry, sorry, yeah. No, no, sorry, sorry. I watched the film Philadelphia for the first time. It's oh, fucking great show. Really Absolutely great show. Jonathan Dan. And you know when it first came out, was it 93? Yeah, 92 90, or 93. 93. Because he won the Oscar in 93 for that, won the Oscar in 94 for Forrest Gump. Ah. Rem- remember hearing Back-to-back that song the whole time, like, Oh, there's a little child crying. Like Bruce. We're driving down the street. My mom's The streets of Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. Don't talk to him. Like, yeah, my Bruce Springsteen has Miller is literally the fucking biggest Bruce Springsteen. Uh, she, on earth. she has his signature framed in a wedding anniversary. Frame. Is there, is there a picture of you? Like, as I'm saying, there's <laughs> a wee tiny picture. I'm like, you know, this massive one of Bruce Springsteen, yeah. loving him. <laughs> No, they, 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 they Mickey was coming down the pain, but he burnt, he burnt the real one and then signed it himself. Just we all, just just for his own mind for the rest of his life. Signed it in his own blood. I know I've fucked you over, but she thinks it's the real one. There's actually, and your man's loving him. There's a fucking really unsettling, sort of creepy, hand-drawn picture of you. My dad did that. It's a good. It, it shows he's got talent, but it's really weird. <laughs> Why is it really weird? You, you look. You look like one of the fucking children of the corner. That's why the blonde hair and blue eyes and this intense fucking Crayola fucking stare coming out of you. I haven't seen it, I can't I was, comment. I was a good looking kid, man. <laughs> you were a cutie. I don't know, I, I've, I've seen a picture of you as a three-year-old petting a goat. It is. You should have been a Milky Bar kid. I should have been a Milky Bar kid. Many's a goat was they, they pet ready, that summer. They weren't ready for a Northern Irish <laughs> Milky Bar kid. Milky Bar's around me, boys. Milky Bar's around me, hi. All enough, it was never Do a fucking Milky Bar. There's a fucking fuck, I'm a fat, my pocket, do you want one? I ate them. Do you want one? I'll fucking give you one. 
Mm. Are you acting from Eastlands? <laughs> <laughs> and all that, you were never cast as a monkey bar kid, but to this day, you still wear chaps at that time. Still up in Berlin. It's a good thing you lost that stats. No, it wasn't really your style, you know what I mean? <laughs> so where were we? Um, Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Philadelphia. We were in good, Philadelphia good getting AIDS. <laughs> well, it was all right. I think, I think personally, I feel it's a, a wee bit dated now, maybe. Mm. Now, here, I think it it comes across a very 90s film, like the way they in, introduces the characters. Mm. You know, Denzel Washington has a baby, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, celebrating, runs it. But I think that, that had been going through Hollywood from, from the 80s and 70s what, anyway. What specifically, though? You, at the beginning, introduces Tom Hanks' character. Oh, Everyone's yeah, yeah, yeah. being really successful. It's and like then, two people all said each other. Even yeah. heat skin like that, too. Yeah. yeah. And then... And I, th- I think maybe today it wouldn't be so much of an issue. But you understand, like, not the early 90s, and especially American culture is a, a wee bit more more conservative mm. than it is in Europe. I think as we were talking about, they were talking about real people there, weren't they? Yeah, and they're it's based on a true were. story. Yeah, was so. it based on a true story? I think uh, as well that maybe the reason you think Philadelphia is did a wee bit is because films back then, this before people really had the conception of what Oscar bit was, and uh, it's really constructed like an Oscar bit film. At the same time too, I think it's not as groundbreaking anymore because it was probably the first mainstream film they did with the AIDS epidemic. Yeah. And that's why it was kind of earth shattering. The first the time. one Hollywood ever did. Maybe now, I don't think it seems tame because it's still tackling a really you know, fucking... Well, I don't, no, I don't know if it was the first film that did with it, but... No, I'm saying the first mainstream film. Obviously, films... No, 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 no I, I, know, I know that there, but um, I think... I think that they deal with it in in uh, the institutions and how you, you know, people because you know there was a lot of left wing films about AIDS and this kind of stuff, but I think it was the first film to deal with how uh, having AIDS was as uh, ostracizing as race, and this is why they deliberately placed Denzel Washington as a lawyer. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. and so in Philadelphia, there's even a line in it. We're saying it's like the the city of brotherly love brotherly or something love, like this yeah. here. You know, it's it's so and this is you know why you know for example like Wolf Smith is an eye robot. You know that's yeah. you know and but I still think uh, Jonathan Dam that that director he's the same director as Sense of Lambs and stuff too. And Rachel getting married. Aye. I'm very underrated film I don't know if he's back he is such he, an he's such an actor's director too you know and he's such a great character developer and you know um, I th- he, he doesn't he, he's he's a he's a classicist director like yeah, yeah. and I think it, it doesn't you know um, what was I going to say I, I there's nothing really shocking about a style, but it can construct it in a very exactly. It's I, a I standard mean, way, it's but no, it's, it's just very, very, done very watchable film. film. Yeah. But but what I love about 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 his style is is that it's classicist, uh, and he gets really great performances, and he picks great music, and he and he shoots them very well, and very neat, and very tidy. But also, he does throw things in there. He throws them within the conventions of the shot. Like I mean, he he does a lot of things where the ca- the characters uh, staring directly at the camera or slightly off camera. Yeah. He's one of the only directors that do that consistently throughout his films, like and uh, you know, like if you think of Hannibal Lecter and this kind of stuff, uh, looking at uh, Clarice and this kind of stuff, and the, the sense of Lambs. But occasionally, I, th- I think he builds up to his older shots. He occasionally, throws it a night again, like this Dutch angles, the way Brian De Palma would every night again, but not as mad as Brian De Palma. But there's that scene at the end where Tom Hanks is listening to the piece of music, and Denzel. I, I was exactly when you bring up that piece because that that scene haunts me <laughs> it's, it's a fucking it's an uh, that that's that's the main scene in that film i think yeah, uh, that's the one that's the one that's, 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 that's the one that sticks out for me 
or Denzel's just sitting there. It's after the party, and they're sitting having a chat, and then the camera oh. just kind of rises up and floats, and, and it's, oh, it, it goes the, a sort of a Dutch the, angle the, and the stuff. The operatic piece, yeah, where he's dancing Aye. around and they're talking about. He's talking about I don't know, is it the meaning of life? Or yeah, something? yeah, the emotion. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. And then Den Denzel he leaves, and then he wants to come back in, but because of his homophobia, he's like not Aye. sure. Yeah. And I think it was very subtle the way that they played that sort of race thing. You know when he's when he first takes up the 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 case when they're yeah, in the library at the library, and yeah. he's Denzel sitting there doing I don't know, reading up some some laws, law, I guess. And then this man just law books. He's just he's just walking past, just glaring at him, saying like, "I see you, black man. I see you." Like just yeah. you can see it in his eyes. He's like, "I'm watching you. I've got my eyes on you, and nobody else." And then the other guy. The the other librarian comes down and speaks to the thing about the guys. He says, "Would you be more comfortable in a private room?" Yeah. And he goes, "No, no, I'll be fine here." And he he's still looking at him, going, "No, it would, like he's basically saying we'd all be more comfortable if you were in another room." Uh, there's that lane as well where um, see, there's a lot of there's a lot of broad strokes in the film which I like. I mean, I like I like the central issue. Yeah, but I like the fact that Dan, uh, that Denzel's playing the lawyer. There's there's a broad stroke with that as well, yeah, yeah. as you just talked about. But then there's, I mean, there, there's broad strokes as in you know, whatever people think of the justice system or whatever people think of of religion or anything like that. There too, I mean, what do you think of the law? And what do you think of the religion? Or I I kind of think they're up to yourself. Whether you want to break the law, if you think it's a stupid law and break it, or whatever, you know, like marijuana, like it's a stupid law, but whatever. And uh, and and the legal thing, uh, there's a line in it where uh, Tom Hanks says, "Why do you, uh, he asks him why do you like the law?" And he says, "Because every now and again, you get to be part of justice." Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that kind of ties up. So I think it was, "Why did you want to be a lawyer?" I think that's what the question was. And. Um, Regardless of how bad or good the law can be as an institution, or, or you know, law is not really an institution, but you know what I mean, though. You know, like the the government as an institution and the law that supports the government. Um, I think that that line itself is is sort of uh, regardless of laws that you decide to break consciously or not. You know, if there's justice or not. You know, I think that's the point of the film because. They were essentially breaking what is now the law back in. And that's why I don't think it dates. That's why I don't think the film dates. I think it's very important and it's of its time and it's it's for a good reason. That's why it's not dated. I, I think it doesn't date as well though, because I mean it's it's you're very simple morality thing. I think when it comes down to it, you know, there's these issues of risks and the law and obviously homosexuality, but then when you actually look at it, it's just down to the basic black and white pardon upon them of are you a good person? Are, are you not looking? I mean, when it comes down to it, it's like. What do you mean? It, it doesn't date as in it wouldn't. It's not going to. I don't gonna, think it's dated. I think it's. Uh, no, I'm oh, saying I, I don't think I it's. I don't know. I don't think it would be as powerful as To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, but I don't. Well, obviously, I mean, but for very few films are, you know, as, as, as kind of may, may, Maybe I'm just being a bit. Uh, yeah, hasty, very, hasty in my decision making. Very few films are as timeless as To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, in all fairness, Atticus Finch has been named probably the greatest hero ever in cinema because of what he stands up for but I do think in Liz message wise is a sort of standard morality play uh, about just essentially acceptance really you know an acceptance of a racer an acceptance of a, of a sexuality and, and that, that's why I think that it just kind of echoes on then along the, along the decades and why it still holds a lot of power 
Aaron, what have you watched this week? I was watching, uh, uh, what the fuck? Uh, the Last Detail. Uh, did we did we talk about this at all? I think my we, recommendation we, a few weeks ago. Uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's Hal Ashby too. Uh, he was also a topic on it. Yeah, and I enjoy a bit of Hal Ashby. Uh, no, I was watching it, and uh, 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 <laughs> there was parts of music that, that are deliberately distracting. And yeah. I, I was, the thing is, I was showing it to somebody, and I didn't know their film taste, and I didn't know whether they would appreciate the joke with some of the music at Were the start. Were you showing it to a lady? No, it wasn't actually, no. Okay. It was a guy called Gary McFeely. He's a guy I'm working with at the minute and we've become good friends and he says, you need to fucking check it. You like Jack Nicholson? You fucking check us out then. And uh, whatever, but a crack. And uh, it's just... It's the thing you are talking about uh, earlier about... Uh, they just want the blockbuster or they're really whatever and there's no room for the middle one you know and yeah. the middle one for me is probably something like Midnight Run or, or it's kind of yeah. moderate budget or Ronan well Ronan's Ronin. probably a wee bit more but Midnight Run well no it's, well, no, it's probably the same and, like, yeah. and uh, it's probably because there's no spectacle on it it's all drama and character so it's probably even less it's probably you know but what's like all hell actually just all character aye, all dialogue had a had a a, a penchant uh, for fucking picking cracking scripts but, but scripts uh, that nobody else would touch like uh, I discussed on the topic uh, but uh, it's a script about uh, did you recommend this film before? the film it's itself? yeah alright okay so Danny, Danny, oh, will I explain the story again or not? well mine was I mean like mine was very very summary so go for it okay no no it's, it's about uh, it's just about uh, these two uh, GAs who, who get uh given this detail of transporting a prisoner across America, you know, across the states and stuff, and uh, the detail is that they have to get there in a week, whereas they both know that it's going to take two days to get there, and so they can just use their every you know, use their money to have a bit of crack you on the way back. But they find out that the 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 guy that's being taken across, um, he's getting Randy he, Quaid. Aye, it's Randy Quaid. His sons he, went mental, aye, and he's getting uh, stitched up. A wee bit because uh, he like, he like tried to steal from uh, you know like a, a charity box, but the the charity is their 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 head, like their their big boss. It was a charity that his wife ran, and so they they gave him eight years for trying to steal forty dollars. As a you know very, they took it very personally. If I was like his, have I there? I'd be doing life. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jack Jack Nicholson was just saying, "Oh, that's eight years. That's." It's very serious. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it all, and then uh, say what you want about his Hugh Grant as Nicholson spot on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fucking, it's it's brilliant. There's a brilliant because uh, Jack Nicholson's character is called Badowski. Badowski. Uh, but you know, like, like just I'll give you an example of how well the character work is in this film. He's just all. Uh, <laughs> it's like he's trying to create his own nickname. You know, and how how real and on like completely uh, stripped away is that? It's just all Badowski. Oh, I always wanted people to call me badass, <laughs> and he just keeps going. It's just all badass. <laughs> he just looks at Otis and he's all badass. <laughs> but it's just that there. He's just fucking arsing around. But it's fucking dead funny. I said my recommendation a couple weeks ago for me. It's my favourite, and it, it might sound a bit fucking controversial, but I think it's uh, Nicholson's best performance. I was saying this today, I think it is too. I think it's his best. I know, look, 
That that alone should make you want to go and see Last Detail because look at the performances and like Austin's done. But I, I personally think that's his best performance. I think I, uh, the phrase we coined on that cast was "It's all a jack you'd ever need." <laughs> exactly, it's all a jack you'll ever <laughs> need. Jack being Jack, I think. Yeah, was I, 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 but uh, no, but it's great though because it's and the thing it's that's it's, it's annoying watching it is because it's for uh, such a good film. It. Uh, I don't know, if you're sort of like an avid film watcher and stuff like this here, you're constantly, the first time you watch a film, you, you feel like it's really good. The first half an hour is fucking really good, and you're like, and then you sort of tense up the second half, really good, and it's just like, please don't fuck up the last part of this film, because this is fucking really good. <laughs> and the last detail just doesn't. You know, it, it's so, like, the they don't... Uh, they don't uh, use the plot points as uh, crutches. They use the characters, you know... Yeah. What would this guy do? What would that guy do? And then that, you know, if you're a really good character, you have a bottomless pet of fucking story. Precisely. And you I know? think the last detail utilizes that as well. And exactly, I'm not going yeah. to spoil anything about it, but the final act of the film, you expect that it's going to go one way and there's going to be this sort of, you know, cliched, stereotypical, sort of maybe you would even say happy ending, but there's, like all Hal Ashby's films, there's a huge vein of realism that flows through there too. Uh, and, and it bleeds itself on these characters because these characters uh, are so real. And it's, I think it's, that's it's, where they're so engaging. It's not pro or counter. It's just it's just kind of Hal Ashby. It's just, okay, fair enough. And the point's made. The point's made very well. Yeah. But, but uh, anyway. Okay, and we'll move on to news. Uh, stacks of trailers came out this week. So many. Stacks. We're not even going to talk about all the trailers, but some of them. Uh, Stack them up. <laughs> okay, first one we'll talk about is Creed. Uh, Sorry, Michael B. Jordan. I wasn't saying for fuck's sake about that. I was saying for fuck's sake with the drink at Dominic's. I was going to well, I wish you were saying for fuck's sake about that. I know Creed, I think in its first 10 seconds, it probably nailed a record amount of cliches. It just, it was, I know it's hard to kind of think outside the box of a boxing movie. Cliches which you just said were created by Sylvester Stallone. But I mean, in the str- I know that it, w- it was created by him, <laughs> but at the same time, it's the Halloween, Halloween 2 thing all over again. It's that the creators become the imitator. Yeah. And but the person that wrote it and directed it, uh, wrote and directed Fruitvale Station. Which I love, and I've only watched recently. So it's Sly, uh, nice Sly, literally, is just acting on it. Yeah, I mean, he, I, just I, being he came to him with the idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because of Fruitvale Station. Uh, that should be an Orwee money recommendation, which we tend to be doing here. Uh, what I uh, did, what I, what I did like about it is when... What did you do? What did you do? <laughs> it's uh, when, obviously, Apollo Creed 2, we'll just call him, oh. young Apollo Creed, is being, like, built up and stuff like oh, that. I forgot his name again. What is his name? It's uh, Adonis. Adonis. Adonis Creed. What no, a it's, name. No, his last name isn't Creed. It's I Johnson. Johnson. No, it, it's like Sega Saturn or something. What was it? <laughs> Ad- Adonis Johnson. Uh. Sega Dreamcast. Uh, uh, I know that. Uh, that's the thing I Dreamcast hate about it. Dreamcast Bagley or something. I know. That, that's the thing I hate Dreamcast about it. Dreamcast McLaughlin. His name <laughs> is Adonis. It's just... It's such a stupid thing. It's name. so on the nose <laughs> like it is. Yeah. But I was watching it, and then I think in the trailer, all, oh, are you going to fish? You could fight anybody. And I was just thinking to myself, how fucking mad would it be if it was just Ivan Drago? <laughs> just, like, <laughs> 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 just a fucking 60 year old Dolph Lundgren <laughs> still there, Will, and he's like, oh, I fucking killed your damn right <laughs> hand. <laughs> I, I, I just, just a big fucking dirty tracking shit at the start time. <laughs> just like down all these wee caverns in Russia and all. <laughs> They're, they're still sitting in like that 80s view of what Russia looked like. Aye, exactly. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. 
fucking trance Iberian Express and all and it's just like fucking and then it's like really fast and all and down these wee caverns and all and then there's just like a fucking you think Draco's dead but no it's just where he fucking sleeps this <laughs> big fucking breeze block just comes off it and Draco just slides up like a big fucking dirty blonde Russian vampire so <laughs> <laughs> I will kill See all you these fucking too. Soviet scientists and all working on him. He's like a like fucking <laughs> Soviet robot, just. Aye. <laughs> he's just there bitting a fuck out of tanks, just. <laughs> Bench press on tanks, just. Aye, he's, just he's using a tank for a fucking speedball, just. <laughs> Brush, <on> the <laughs> just <laughs> Brush this tape by a fucking tank on, just. <laughs> what I did like in the in the trailer, though, is the whole angle of him trying to live up to his dad's kind of legend. Like, there's. He's not, he, like, because his name isn't Creed, and they're saying, are, are you going to use the name and all is here? And I just like that whole angle of. It's him being in his dad's shadow, and can he, can he be the next Creed and all? Eric Ah, it's like the boy who's going to fist. So he's like, "You got no Creed." Now is that like, fuck, no, that you're, such a nasty. You're line. no true Creed or something like that. I don't um, know. I mean, like it looked, it looks as good as what it could be. You know what I mean? You're never going to like I said. You're never. Bob boy did too, and it surprised me. I mean, obviously, I mean, they, they could have some fucking really good high dramatic notes that, I, that I'm not expecting, but I just can't see it breaking out of that small glass box that is the boxing movie. See, they, for the trailer, they could be making it try to look like a Rocky film, and then it I could don't trust trailers anymore. Let's face it. Yeah. No, but I think they shouldn't really like trust TV trailers, troops, right? isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Trust the trailer. At so, the same time, now you find out that it's the director of Fruitvale Station, which had so many dramatic high notes, and from only seeing that film of his, he's obviously got such a he's such a master of kind of creating realism and creating real people if that's the case maybe it was aided in the fact that Fruitvale Station is based on a real film but I, I don't I know it's based on a real film sorry, it's, based, sorry, it's, it's, it's based on a, a real life kind of a tragedy but I don't know if he, if he can bring even a, a wee tiny element of that and the, and the Apollo like. okay I think we've talked about that enough so we'll talk about the next trader Steve Jobs uh. I don't know what they think. It's like Danny Boyle. People like they fuck. I like Trance. I thought Slumdog Millionaires maybe the most overrated film of the past twenty years. I I, I respect a lot of visual aesthetics. I haven't yet. seen it, but what am I? Not to agree with you. Ah, uh, it's <laughs> just <laughs> hold on. It's, it's, it's from a book, isn't it? Yeah? Slumdog Millionaire. Is it? Yeah, I don't know. It. Is it not just based off that Chris? But Hunter I fuck. What's <laughs> the film Millionaire? Like you know, I mean, <laughs> no, I got as a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Chris Torrance spun off just <laughs> Chris Torrance wrote a script <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a script block one night and a fucking napkin handed it to fucking Danny Boyle <laughs> he's thinking about that time that cheating bastard came on the army boy and tried to fucking swan them out of a fucking million pound like he's like, fuck that boy but then started writing about Andy for no reason hey <laughs> <laughs> Danny Boyle turned the fucking cheating man down he says right throw up around Andy and they fuck there's a tax rebate they fuck man and he's alright Andy I fuck I bah 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 fuck Andy and he wants to bah sh- bah <laughs> <laughs> Boy meets girl and they are Braddon make it fucking happen Danny yeah. Roman camera Wayne's getting their fucking eyeballs plucked out with spoons you gotta want her uh-huh. that actually happens my film too it's fucked uh-huh. uh, Jobs don't know hey. Steve Jobs <coughs> Steve Jobs or Steve uh-huh. Jobs if you and you know what's weird a couple weeks back and Jobs. I still this is still my fucking this fast bender is still my favourite working actor but I'm not really getting that vibe off is he it just looks all a bit bland what do you think of it Dom I wonder if he can move metal on the next. I saw the the film Jobs, the one with Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, with Bruce's son. Or not? Sorry, he's he's uh, not had any job sons. Which is a very strange one. It was it was okay. I don't know. I didn't really know much about Steve Jobs. I haven't seen it to be honest. I thought maybe this one looks a bit better because Steve Jobs seemed to be so 
like we were so fucking hyped up on the internet all the time when you'd go on reddit they'd always be posting like motivational speech and like all the apple apple users and ipod users would love steve jobs turns out it's a bit of a ball bag Meg- megalomania <laughs> yeah that's yeah, that's why so and they they didn't portray that in the one with ashton Kutcher. this is what i'm very interested in you see elements of it in that trailer you know for obviously danny boyle's version which you watched earlier on and i'm very i think that's the thing that i'm most interested in how they're going to handle it are they going to whitewash it or are they actually going to portray no, it I, I think i think from that trailer they they obviously go on they the bastard part of it because they're going into the whole thing about how he was he was pushed out of Apple and all and it's because nobody liked him nobody was mm. but then he they nearly went bankrupt and brought him back in and he fucking saved the company D- Danny Boy definitely right Danny Boy is not fucking afraid yeah. They fucking go at He'll these kinds of things. Like, yeah, oh, he definitely. doesn't give a fuck. Danny Boy, like, I, mean, I, I personally I mean, think Danny Boy wouldn't, wouldn't have signed up otherwise. I mean, I mean, there's the obvious one. There's a fucking train spot and shit and all out there. I mean, that's the obvious one. The warts and all. But, I mean, there's even stuff like, you know, Ralston from fucking 127 Hours. You know, he showed him as an asshole. Like, he definitely did. Yeah. He really did. Like, you know, and it was just... But but that's the best thing about that film is he showed him as a fucking about a dick, Aye, he's not and then but the same man. time he still managed to go fucking hell doesn't matter if he's a dick what would I do in that situation and so suddenly even if even if well if you're a dick and you're right with him the whole way but uh, <laughs> if you're not you're kind of it's sort of you, you have to you sort of meet him somewhere in the thing it's just, it doesn't matter if you're a dick or not like I mean that's a situation anybody yeah, could yeah. get themselves on there and so that was that that's fucking definitely interesting but. Danny Boyle, visually and dramatically, he's, he's, he's you know, to me, he's up every fucking David Fincher, Martin yeah, Scorsese, he's, he's well, fucking... That's, that's, sorry, that's funny you say that, because David Fincher was supposed to direct this film, yeah, and it was, it, was, it was supposed to be, what do you call him, Batman? Christian Nolan, Bale. I... Christian Bale, and then, it was, sir- and then he fell out of it, and then they were going to get Leonardo DiCaprio, and then he I fell know. out of it, and then they got Michael Fassbender. I agree with what you're saying with Danny Fassbender is definitely the best of the three of them over there. Yeah, I, I mean, like, while a lot of people are saying, oh, he doesn't even look like Jews or Jobs, but... Uh, is what, it Jobs or Jobs? It's, it's, it's fucking Jobs. Who the fuck said Jobs? I said it once. I'll never... Sean Coyle, all right. I'll never Sorry. live it down. Like, you know, What's my fuck out to you? You know what I mean? Tough to tap, boys. But, I for... And a lot of people said, "Oh, he doesn't even look like Steve Jobs and stuff like that." I really don't think that matters. I think that only, I think it's because Ashton Kutcher mm. looked kind of so uncanny, like a young Steve yeah. Jobs, that obviously he's always going to be compared to that. But like, look at the amount that they have where they haven't really looked like it. If the character, sorry, if the yeah. actor can encapsulate that character, which Fassbender will do because he's yeah. one of the best actors working, then you'll forget about the appearance thing after I, fucking two seconds. Sure, fucking, you'll buy yeah. it straight away. Uh, also, with Danny Boyle, completely agree with what you're saying about Scorsese and stuff again. Like about the marriage of uh, aesthetic and actually being able to drive actors and, and drive a, a certain narrative goal too mm. but I think that those best directors too also take the narrative and the characters first and then build the aesthetic on it and I think it's, that's aye, exactly no you're right on because it, I mean aesthetic it can always you know aesthetic can look absolutely amazing and it can make a film but it, it can't define a film I think what's always the, I don't think I've ever seen a film or a great film that has had kind of loosely written or poorly it's, it's all there to support story and character exactly. and the, if it's there first and the characters come in second yeah, it's fucking there's balls. a flaw then you know yourself and I you're mean, working with a person for example I say about Brian De Palma you know Black Dahlia I think character came second a wee bit oh, no, character was not even fucking 
acknowledged yeah. I talked about the Black Dahlia. No, I know, you, I know you did. And I, this is why I think, like, you know, for Brenda Palmer being such a, you know, I'll end this fucking quick because it's actually not even on topic at all. But with uh, Curly's Way and stuff, um, I think it's one time where you had a seriously good fucking cast and you had Brenda Palmer just fucking really rocking a style. And it didn't matter if if whatever he was doing because you had some of the best fuck you had the best of the best like sitting there, so it yeah. wouldn't have mattered. But anyway. Also, fun fact about Danny Boyle, uh, my ma once met him in the city hotel, he bought her a vodka and coke and then my ma trying to get me a job as I was unemployed at the time was all <laughs> My son's really on the films and he was all right, see you after <laughs> <laughs> Why did he buy her a vodka and coke? They were they were actually sitting talking for ages. He was oh, really? here for the Foil Film Festival. Fuck no. And she just ran on him. And the best thing is as well is that how fair is that? My man had no clue who he was whatsoever. And <laughs> well, then how did they get talking? Her fucking her friend was all that's your man. He done train spotting so does. Oh, and my man was all, are you your man? Did you do train spotting? They all arrested and they just went on there about a conversation. Apparently, he is the nicest man. So he, there you go. He seems nice. He does. He, he seems really is. No, he fucking he comes across really well, doesn't he? Aye. Okay, next trailer in the heart of the sea. Thor versus a whale. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, where's this hammer when he needs it? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it looked fantastic. I actually. think it looks excellent. Apart from when the whale jumps out of the ocean and he starts making clover-filled noises. Yeah, it's 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 about it's about two blockbuster then because yeah. up until then it seems like an actual considered drama and the pr- I mean, they're working off the whole. It's actually it's it's so well written that a criticism of Moby Dick is that it's too overwrought. That like it's too beautifully written. So as a starting point or as a, as a reference point you're always going to get a good script out of it and I think that's why I'm so excited about it I read Moby Dick I've always loved the book but there's never been a defi- it's like it's the Great Gatsby all over again Mickey <laughs> I mean the Great Gatsby is my favourite book but there's never been a defunnel of Moby Dick and I think this looks like it could come closest so, so to it this is your white whale <laughs> this is my white whale exactly this is my white whale I so, will, I, it's not a direct adaptation of Moby yeah, Dick it, I mean, it's like the it's, inspiration uh, it, it, is, it is a name alone I think you know what I mean it, you can definitely see what they're going for mm. but uh I know I I was I wasn't actually well fussed on the trailer, but I'm excited about seeing the film. But a thing that makes me more excited about it is that this this was supposed to come out in March. Yeah, and uh, why they, was it put back? Well, you see, this is the thing. There was two uh, reasons. They're still, they're still that, export, like, they're still exporting it because uh, the whales fucking mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was there was two theories about why it was pushed back. One, there was troubles and they had to fix it. Or two, they moved it back from uh, to get more of an Oscar buzz behind it because they were that happy with the film that they think it could go for and stick it in an Oscar season. That's really interesting. I'm just going to put this out here now. I know I haven't even seen the film. I know for a fact it's not going to win any Oscars. No, you know what I mean because even from seeing it, it's too blockbustery. It's too. I mean, like even well, the, that's, even, a, that's a trailer. But I mean, even on the trailer, they're See, trying to associate it with. Uh, honestly, that. Uh, no, 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 not not the jungle book. You're fucking that up. Ah, shit! That's <laughs> but, jungle book. Uh, that's jungle book. Shit, that's right. At the same time, though, it looks a wee bit too on the nose, and a wee bit too broad. And I, I, I actually think it looks closer to Ma- Master and Commander. Aye. At the same time, though, I mean that is fucking hugely blase of me having only seen the trailer, but I would almost put my fucking house but, on I mean, it. Not b- even for, for being yeah, that massive we'll, a book, we'll I mean discussion like, at Oscar Day. We'll see you next March. <laughs> no, but if you've actually read the book. The the book's actually really. I mean, well, you've read the uh, review of the book. No, right. I don't know. It's, it's actually it's actually a lot more similar to something like Jaws. Hmm. It's a lot more similar to something like Jaws. The pacing of it, like. 
Oh, see, that's what I kind of got from the trailer I, of this film. It looks more, it looks more action oriented. No, yes, it's I mean, got, no, but they're, they're it's, more than likely just showing you the action, though. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it does only seem like it's got some nice pros, and I'll be. They get all these wins on the wins or something. They're going, oh, it's fucking done. I'm for fucking two hours. Well, you paid your fiver. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Trek all over again, but uh, I'll like I'll be, I'll be very <laughs> surprised if it doesn't have a, I would say amazingly pepper dialogue and some really nice sort of poetic sound dialogue. Concerned, it's based off one of the you know greatest written books ever, but at the same time, I could see it maybe overstretching and being a wee bit overwrought and coming off as a bit tacky. This is all complete speculation for me. Like of course, I know I'm, I'm dying. I mean, DC the following. This is the point of trailers. Yeah, Ron Howard. Ron Howard is a f- he's a fucking tight. He's a tight like, underrated director. I think he's a tight underrated director. But at the same time, he's he is seen as almost one of the biggest proponents of of Oscar bits. So that's why they've probably pulled it back because they've got Ron Howard. They fucking be able to you know attach on it. And the fact that he's got form of the Oscars and it, it'll definitely. Well, maybe it might be up for nominations and all that there. Oh, he's he's taking a back already. Well, no, I didn't say I wouldn't get nominated. I just said oh, you, I oh, you're won. saying it won't No, it's I'll definitely not one. Like, it won't win Best Picture and all no, that. Right. I, I thought you were just saying it wouldn't be in any kind of Oscar. No, it's with Ron Hurd, and if they're putting it back, then I'd say that it's, def- it's definitely going to be in the conversation. Like, if he's, like, backtracking to me, I don't know. No, <laughs> no, it, it, no, it will be in the conversation, but I don't know, at the same time, I think the main criticism is usually leveled at Ron Hurd is that it's... He's too broad with his broad strokes, broad strokes, and he's mm. he's too black and white, and there's no grey in there whatsoever. And it's you know kind of it's a bit simplistic, and I think I could go that way and being quite simplistic. And as well, Ron Howard is notorious for having an absolute fucking tenure for dialogue. And considering that Moby Dick is so overwrote, and considering that some of the dialogue is a wee bit too peppered, I could see him indulging a wee bit too much, and it sounds naff as fuck. Now yet again, this is my. Complete and utter <laughs> deconstruction of can, In the Heart of the Sea. What do you see in the Heart of the Sea's release? And it's possibly the greatest film ever made. I can't wait to play this back to you. <laughs> no. You fucking love this film. <laughs> but you know what the worst thing is? You know what the worst thing is? Is that I'm actually really looking forward to it. Yeah. I thought the trailer was amazing. Visual looks Aye. sweet. And it, I love it, the book. It's not, it's not often you go to a fucking theater to see a fucking, you know, spectacle or either a spectacle or an R rated film by one of the best. No. Like the last time I went to a cinema going right happy days was either American Hustle or uh Epic movie. Or Martin Scorsese, the Wolf of Wall Street. Um, just going right Jesus it was, I can't remember the last time I went to see a fucking eighteen. Uh, by a fucking yeah. a fucking le- legend like. Me and a, a friend you know. had a discussion about this recently and that's a bit of a weird one. Do you remember when you were a kid growing up and you always had well, I don't know for me anyway I always had this sort of HDC and 18 in the cinema or just to see 18 films yeah. in general because they were like kind of the lore and they, and they were you might have got away your mum might have let you watch like, yeah, you can't see an 18 your mum might have let you watch like a fucking like a 15 you would always obviously get to see a 12 or a PG but 18s were like they were off like yours you would have to kind of watch them or muckers or something like that but if you look at it now there's a serious serious lack of 18 rated films being released if yeah. you look at it most films released now are 15 now I was always wondering to myself not for money like not it's money it's yeah, most yeah, no, that, no, I, I know that I mean obviously I'm wondering is that because it is a box office thing and they want to appeal to more people definitely or is it just that we have become so desensitized to violence no, 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 and, no, and sex no, 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 that no, it's hard to no. push that 18 barrier I mean, no, no, it's no. Like, what, what the kids do when they can't drink they go to cinema Aye, but, at the same, but, but at the same time this is why Die Hard fucking 4 was uh, PG-13 but I'm saying that the, the, the whole desensitization the whole desensitization I can't even say that word desensitization thing as well Aye. is that look oh. at a f- 
Look at a 15 from the mid-90s and look at a 15 now. Look at the amount you can get away with in a 15. I see, that's what I was going to say. It, it, it is partly to do with that Mate. they want everybody Mate. to be able to go see the film, but it's, well, you can get away with so much more in a 12 I think it depends than back you, in the day. Sorry, Mickey. I think it depends on how much you how you portray the violence. Yeah. Yeah. Because like say say like someone like the Avengers, because they're aliens or because they're robots, There's you no can blood. You, you can kill the fuck out of them or Transformers. They they basically have blood spewing out of them, but because yeah. it's Transformers it's and it's oil, Aye. then no. that's fine. But if 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 a drop of blood comes out of a human, fucking fifteen. <laughs> and if we could go back to what's his name? Killer Joe. Killer Joe. Killer Joe. The way that he starts beating on uh, but that is an eighteen. Oh, uh, see what I mean and that's what I'm saying there's there's very few I would say at least there's very few mainstream 18s that you would see now whereas years ago there was a slew and I personally think it's because times have changed and we've maybe become a wee bit more desensitised and a lot of stuff that was not nowhere near acceptable well, 20 I, years I ago I suppose so we it's, now kind of can you cram wa- under the 15 when you watch Clockwork Orange now it's, it's kind of hard to that would definitely still be an 18 though it would definitely still be an 18, oh, but right, I definitely. think there's harder films to watch now than there is watching. I have, no, Orange. I don't think so. I think I, I really don't. I, I don't. I don't think anybody, you know, and th- this is why Kubrick is still so good. You know, like I mean, anybody could go out and fucking shocky. I mean, Frankie Boy does it, and it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, right, fuck, whatever. And he's a one-track pony, and I guess fucking shit to be honest. But. Uh, <laughs> Things like, oh, uh, this fucking dickhead that drank it, directed that human centipede thing, and he's doing a third one now, and he said, on 20 years, you'll still be talking about the human centipede. It's yeah, just like, yeah. it's just like, oh, come on. The guy just fucking went, all right, what is the worst thing I can think of? Right. There's nothing creative about it. Where Stanley Kubrick with fucking Clockwork Orange is talking about a, a fucking generation. He's talking about, he's talking about cynicism because it's yeah. a neo-futuristic film. Like, well, it's, 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 it's almost 1984, in ways. He's and talking about cynicism of what he imagined the teenagers would be in the 90s. Uh, well, Tantony uh, Burgess yeah. is really talking about it, but uh. the way visually that uh, he creates it, that atmosphere, that really... Uh, Jesus, that that really broken away society where nobody really actually talks to each other yeah. anymore. They but speak words at each other, but don't really talk to each other. Yeah. To create that atmosphere is one thing in a book... But to actually show it and have it dramatically play as well as Kubrick does, and as well as visually as it does, and as way it, you know, that you know, this is why he's constantly fucking revered, is because every element of his film is so fucking good, and I th- I, that's why I, that's why I think it's still just as shocking. Uh, okay, final trailer: The Jungle Book. I, you know what? I I, lo- I loved it. Uh, one of my favorite films uh, as a win. Can't say, but I think I actually wore the tip out. Just I don't know, loved yeah. it. Just I don't know what, what I'm just no, you just used to go around in little orange pants, <laughs> bitten about that brandy well, yeah. swinging off trees. Gira, Gira, pretend your cat was a lion, no. just hanging off this alcoholic's back called Blue. Just <laughs> <laughs> what that's first of all, just talking about Blue. Uh, first thing I liked about it is that when I first watched the trailer. I was like, what, what the fuck's blue? You know what I mean? In the Are tra- you saying bl- blue or baloo? Baloo. Baloo. It's like you're saying baloo. B-A-L-W-O. You sound like you're talking about your boy. like. He's saying, my boy, my boy, blue. You're my boy, blue. But the first the first time I watched it, 
I was like, where the fuck's Blue yet? Where is he? I'm like, he's he's the main thing. He's, he's my favorite. Guy. He's he's my guy. He's my favorite thing about the Jungle Book. And then I had to rewatch it, and he's only in like three scenes of the trailer. But the reason I liked it as well is because they've tried to go away of Mick and Blue, like kind of oh shucks and cutesy and stuff like that. He's a proper fuck off bear. He's a bear. He's <laughs> a proper bear. Like you know what I mean? He's a proper fuck off bear. But remember, this is taken from a book as well. Yes. Has, has anybody read the Jungle Book? Book. Nah. <laughs> the jungle no. books. No. The jungle books. Uh, so no. Who, <laughs> no. So who who's the bigger character? Is it Baloo or Bagheera? Because Bagheera m- seems to be more in it. I think in popular conscious because of the original was it the nineteen sixty seven Disney film. I think the blue is just so fondly remembered now because they made him so iconic. I'm not sure what it's like in the actual uh, literature. Who who voiced them? Baloo. It's Bill Murray. No, no. Who who voiced them in the original? Oh, I don't know. It was Paul Murray again when he was 10. Was Paul? Was Paul he was 10? That's <laughs> classic. And they couldn't have fucked a better person. It's it's Paul, like, you know what I mean, for we, the new blue. You see, this this is what I was disappointed with of the trailer because uh, D23 happened, like, I think about a month ago now. It's basically Disney's version of Comic-Con. Like, they, they have, like, a Marvel panel and a Star Wars panel and they had a live-action panel and they showed off a bit of the Jungle Book and, like, it's not online or anything. It's, like, a closed thing. But I heard people talking about it, and it, some of the trader has some the same stuff, but you, you don't hear anyone else speak apart from Scarlett Johansson as the snake. But you, you got to hear Bill Murray as Baloo, and you got to hear Idris Elba as Shere Khan. Oh, that'd be so good. And the one I really... I'm a fucking snake, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and the one I really wanted to hear... Was Christopher Walken as King Louie. That's going to be so good. Because I heard somebody talking about it and it said, just imagine Christopher Walken saying, I'm King Louie. <laughs> in the jungle. <laughs> it, it's just pure yeah, Christopher yeah, Walken's it's, voice. It's, it's, uh, it's King, King Louie. Louie. <laughs> you know. I think I think that'll be hilarious. Uh, I think, Lou, as well, that's an intentional thing because they've done such an amazing job of rounding up... So- mm. well, they're always going to get a cracking cast, mm. doesn't he? They're doesn't he, for fuck's sake. But getting Bill Murray's Blue, uh, and it was one of your topics a few weeks back, of, like, perfect casting, I uh, think Bill Murray's Blue is so, so good. Like, And I think it might be an intentional thing that on the trailer, they're more just trying to show the new world they've created because everybody, yeah. in everybody's mind, the Jungle Book is, you know, 2D animation, and it's that film because it is, you know, so, so iconic. Whereas they're trying to introduce it now as a CG sort of live action thing, which was a hard sell in itself. And I think that the trailer is just going the great lengths, just to try and engage you or trying to make you familiar with this world. Uh, but they're they're holding back on the voices because uh, they probably know themselves the voices are really good and it's almost like a wee teaser in a way. I know, I was just dying. They probably even fucking accorded them yet. But out <laughs> 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 next week. <laughs> but I, that's, that's that's another thing. Just basically, I, I was down on ball fucking. I was down in balls post and fucking uh, on one of them illegal pirate fucking sites. So and it's always I balls balls voice is good. Haven't seen the rest of the film, but I lost my balls voice. Just a, po- a podcast, I'm alright. Uh, but that was cool. Like, but, but, ba- but basically everything okay, in that trailer yeah. as well. It's it's CG. Like all the animals are CG. Uh, like and they look so good, so realistic. Like yeah, do you know? I it was really mad. I, I was I was that knackered this week that I was watching the trailer at uh, about half eight in the morning in work and. Uh, for some reason, I thought the Jungle Book was a Lion King, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really wondered: wh- is there less lions in this or what? There's no lions <laughs> in the fucking. Well, I'm the fucking lions. I, 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 I was just thought right, they must have changed 
Some bad dead boy. <laughs> and they must have... Right, oh, there's a tiger. So that's, that's sort of kind of closer that's, to the original. That's half a lion. <laughs> uh, that's sort of half a lion. And then uh, a snake is all... That snake must be scared. <laughs> you know, I swear, honestly, this is what was going through my fucking mind when I was watching it. I was all right, so where's that fucking... Bill Murray must be one of that fucking hyenas. <laughs> oh, I swear to no, fuck. Bill Murray would definitely be Pumba. <laughs> definitely aye, be Pumba. Aye, aye. No, but honestly, it's just... I, I was going... I was watching, I was going... This is a really fucking left field adaptation here. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, love, I, love, I love how Heron is now so cynical. He could, he he believed all this in his head. And it's uh, like they would they would fucking do that when they tackle the lions out of uh, fucking lion king. Uh, of course you would. Like turn turn Oh, fucking we're going to fuck out. We're going we're going closer to that fucking book. We're going closer to that book. Fuck out. They're mashed up stuff. What the fuck are they up to? What would you call it? Would you call it the Lion Book or the Jungle King? The Jungle King. Jungle King is pretty good on that. It's pretty good. Tidy like. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, we'll move on to topics. Please do. Um, I'm going to go on the my one first. Bam. On the talk about if you uh, like an actor, director, or uh, just a person, you like their body of work or you enjoy their films, but then if they've done something like like broke the law or just done something kind of morally wrong or something that just doesn't sit well with you uh do you find it hard to kind of uh separate their art from what they've done kind of thing uh, it's a good question i think it completely depends on the crime i mean say it's like a a drunk driving or, or if it's it's awful to say it's even assault or something like that i find it very easy to separate art and, and real life and I think that's the way it should be but then I think the most famous or notorious example is Roman Polanski I think a lot of people that eat it's it's weird in the fact that Roman Polanski is probably one of the most gifted directors ever loved but then obviously because of the very notorious crime that he committed sometimes it's not even so much I find it difficult to appreciate his films it's just you're thinking to yourself he really doesn't deserve to be a free person. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he really wanted them snickers, didn't he? Like he just, he just, <laughs> he just stuck in his pocket. <laughs> you know, he's like, I am give a fuck about them. Like, when, when, when exactly did? Now was he doing this shit all the time? Now, nah, it was, it was, it was a one-off thing. But at the same thing. time, it doesn't matter if it's a one-off or a, a Jimmy Savile fucking sort of one. Like no, it's, it's. Jack Nicholson did the same as well, didn't he? No, nah, no. Nah. Jack no. Nicholson was friends with Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski was staying in Jack Nicholson's house at the time. Maybe that's what you're getting mixed up with. 
And it was actually, I think that the cops first came to Jack Nicholson's house looking for Polanski after what he'd done kind of came to light. Um, he bang a fifteen-year-old or something? Was he fourteen? It, it doesn't. It, I don't think he managed to actually thirteen or something like that. We'll not get bogged down the details right. of the crime because it's a wee bit fucking too grim. But uh, I do find it difficult to separate Roman Polanski stuff. Even though I'm absolutely loving the films, I mean, like I, I get so engaged. Even films that you know people don't talk about as much of has it like the knife, which is unbelievable. One of his earliest films from the sixties, which he made. Uh, at the start of his career, or even uh, a shine knife in the water, knife in the water, it's called, or knife even the, the ghost, knife in the water, fucking unreal, unbelievable, or even the ghost, which was released recently. I think it's one of the most underrated thrillers of like brilliant. the past ten it's years. Fucking very good. The ghost is a, is an amazing film, and I got You're so engaged. The ghost? And it's you, McGregor, Pierce Brosnan. Oh no, I never seen it. It's it's about the Ghost Rider. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of the biography, but it's, again, it's a cracking show, and you get really drawn in these films and he's obviously a master director and been able to do it like all great directors are but then there's always this underlying thing at the back of my head like I've said Ray I'm thinking should he even have the opportunity to make these films and in a way in a very selfish and very cold sort of way as a film fan you're thinking well you know thank god he is still making films because he's fucking unbelievably good at doing them but then at the same time in a moral sort of human level you're thinking the man's a scumbag and it he doesn't did, deserve yeah. this like you know yeah. what I mean it, it's a conclusion that came the way it goes is that you know just because they're directors or just because they're actors you know it, it, it's, it's, it's often said uh, you know by famous actors and directors it's just we're just people yeah you know and that includes all walks of life you yeah. know and it includes you know it includes everything you know every kind of person that you could think of has probably made a film. Yeah. You know, and... and, and what do you mean? So, we, we can't just turn around and go that, you know, oh, directors are actors, oh, they shouldn't be doing it. You know, that they are just people. No, know? of course. I know that and actually celebrities you know, are held up as, as I, being I, I'm not saying but that we should apologise for that. Like, of course we fucking shouldn't if they break a fucking law and, and well, maybe not break a law, smoke about a way. Look, I'm not fucking, you know, I'm saying like, but I'm saying like, when they, when they, when they cross, like, what you would call, in my opinion, kind of like, just, just you know, the moral horizon. I just, just, just human laws and compassion and things like that. There, then you know, personally, I think I don't know you have a responsibility to take it a bit yeah. more seriously. Like you know, I think we Polanski it's a wee bit different too because whereas most say first example comes in my head, remember Russell Crowe years ago, just when he was doing Gladiator and he was Crowbar, Crowbar, when he was reaching his peak and stuff like that, he had a lot of assault charges and stuff, and he had like this kind of really notorious violent temper. Uh. Stuff like that, it's awful they say, you know, you shouldn't justify one crime over an hour, but you can kind of get over that. Was this this thing about the, the phone book and the... Yeah, but I mean, like, well, he, but he, he was right. booked He was booked for that, but I think we, with Polanski, it's different in the fact that Polanski... Well, the crew, Pol- like the, the, yeah. crew, the crew thing, uh, uh, I think that was really blown out of proportion, to be honest, because what happened was, right, he was, he hadn't chatted to his wife in, like, a couple of weeks or so. Yeah. And he asked the concierge or whatever, or the person at the, oh, just the the, the, the person in the hotel, just they fucking I uh, go and sort me up this uh, call, and I think they got arsed away and said, "No, we can't do that." No, no, and he's just you know he he didn't turn and go, "I'm Russell fucking Crow." He just went, "Do you know just, who I am?" He just said, "Yeah, my my phone's not working. Can you whatever? I'm trying to chat to my wife, whatever, and so on." And apparently the person got fucking really arsy about it and was very by the book about it. At which point he lost the fucking temper because he said, I can't speak to my wife. And 
I think it escalated from there, which is something that you sort of can understand. You can understand, the, and you can understand as well that that was that was the the, the seed of it. Like hours that actors are doing the exposure and the constant paparazzi and stuff again. But the point that I was just trying to make, obviously, about Plansky is the fact that he's never had a fist justice for what he's done, and he's yeah. literally had in Europe for the past forty years, like the, knowing the, that he will be hammered as soon as he goes back to America. The gear, the gear, actually dropped the charges on him as well. Has she? I know, see, the, the girl uh, who he now is in contact with dropped the charges. And so now it's the state that's both, uh, prosecuting him or trying to prosecute him. Mm, I mean, if you're looking for a moralistic sort of standard viewpoint, then he should pay for the crime that he done. And, it, you know, he shouldn't get any sort of fucking regal treatment because he is an artiste or he has a director or whatever. But I don't know. Do, do, you, do you have any yourself, Mickey, when you brought that up? Um, no, well, I think the way it should work is you should be able to separate the art from the person and you should be able to enjoy what they do as mm. just enjoy it as a film and not worry about the background of it of who actually made it or who the, or what the person's mm. done but then when it, i think when it gets into more serious things and more morality kind of things then it's you as a person if it, like if you've been affected by what they've done in in your life or whatever then i think it can it kind of get to you and then it's more of a thing that you can't agree with what that person did, so yeah. you're not going to try and you're not going to support what they do. It it almost sort of blankets you or skewers your whole vision because you could be watching, say, a director, and they could have put out the greatest film ever, and say, like, they're hypothetically speaking, a fucking serial killer who somehow hasn't been brought to justice, but it's known. It's a known fact that they are. You, are you, you could never fully enjoy that because you know that. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's but it's you, like this. You, this is a right. Like you could even start kind of. Seeing things in their films that isn't in the uh, film, you know what I mean? Like well, I think relating it, it, it back. It was like me talking that that thing the other week about about Mel Gibson about that lesbian thing I was talking about. Yeah, I mean, there's things that I was kind of like. It was only because I actually thought it was out of character for Riggs to do that. Firstly, yeah. you know, but uh, I mean, I think one one person that I. Uh, that I really don't you know there are certain actors if you really like them you'll find out what other stuff they're in and you will sort of look at their other work because you like it close reading I know but I mean generally if, if you trust like if you trust their choices you, you'll kind of no think, I'm, I'm right. just saying that's that's what they're afraid of uh, like in, in like fucking film studies 101 man is it's close if you like a director then if you do close reading you'll look at the director's other work and see who I they work, work with I and then you, you work your way up then it's almost I like a kind of Lincoln thing one person after I heard, uh, it was like, like I, it was it was Steve McQueen. I just I just heard that he used to uh, bed up with girlfriends and his wife and stuff like this here. And I know he had he had a troubled past now with uh, when he was growing up and stuff. But this definitely changed my opinion of him and yeah. and the Paul Newman thing because I think Paul Newman's great and my favorite actor. He had this. He, he fucking hated Paul Newman for sure. They they had a they had a, a, a sort of certain rivalry with each other, and I think we discussed that before too. It's it's the infamous or a fun film fact uh, about the, 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 the Tower of Inferno. Inferno Do you know the way now in in films you see like uh, there's two main actors, but when they're actually put up on screen at the start of a film, the credits they've got like diagonal casting so they, their names both appear on screen at the same time just to kind of show the fact that they're on the same level that came about uh because steve mcqueen and paul newman both done the turn inferno and steve mcqueen for whatever reason had this irrational hatred and envy of paul newman because he's seen 
Paul Newman as his basically has he had an inferiority complex to him well, because he's a I think fucking actor. That's what well, fucking Newman was a better actor and he was just a better person, a better human in general. Yeah, Paul Newman and, was the star, like yeah, and Paul Newman was the the star. Oh, sorry, of, sorry, Steve McQueen was the star. Sorry, yeah. Paul ne- Steve McQueen was technically the star of the Turn Inferno, but Paul Newman was the bigger draw, so they wanted to put Paul Newman at the head of the credits, and Steve McQueen freaked the fuck out, and he was like, no chance, if I'm going ahead of him, and if he's going ahead of me, then we're going to appear on the fucking aye. screen in the credits at the same no, time, originally, and they very created diagonal credits for that. Aye. No, but originally, I actually, because it it's based in a book, originally it was... Paul Newman led the whole story, and it was his film, that was that character's film, and there was this tiny part of a fireman, and the director thought, right, this will this will be a kind of a cool idea. We'll bring on Steve McQueen at the end, and it'll be cool if he meets this fireman at the end. Mm-hmm. And it was meant to be a fucking tiny part, but what what the the whole story was is that then uh, Steve McQueen says, oh, I, I'm not appearing in this film unless I have the, the exact same yeah. amount of lines as Paul Newman." If you in that film, if you so they they wrote this this whole extra part of this film that they were kind of working with each other, yeah, complete diva. And I mean, like he's seen as the king of cool. And yes, Steve McQueen was a very good actor, a limited actor in in many ways. But then, if you actually start to scratch at the surface, Steve McQueen was just a bloody fucking dickhead. You know what I mean? And like, if you actually look at the Turn Inferno two, and it's incredible. Now, unless you have literally no life whatsoever, nothing else to do. But if you count the lines that Newman and McQueen have. They have the exact same amount of lines and near enough the very same amount of screen mm-hmm. time. But like Colin was saying, originally McQueen's character was supposed to be a butt part. Uh, and originally as, as well, uh, I was watching an interview with Richard Donner and he was talking about the uh, how, how like the ego of an actor can be a very hard nut to crack. He says you might love an actor's work, but he says you know off screen you really have to deal with the ego. You, you have to approach them in the right way. Mm-hmm. He says you know it's, it's like what I imagine is sort of uh, what cloth face they go at is like we'll go this way no no they don't like that go back down go back up uh, that's kind of what I think of you know if you do be an actor but uh, he was saying that with McQueen he worked with McQueen I think it was on a TV show or something really small and it was something that he said uh, McQueen was delaying he was delaying their start time their their roll time or whatever and then McQueen just sort of left and then uh fucking Donner got on the megaphone and he says alright okay production stop McQueen has to go take a fucking piss and he just lost the temper and then apparently McQueen fucked off didn't come back for like two hours Jesus and he, he, but he was saying that oh fuck okay he says, he says actually he thought of himself then he's just like well I'm kind of a nobody and everybody on this thing is sort of a nobody the only person that is a fucking person people recognize is McQueen yeah. and he, he took it in such a way that he he, he, like he was saying it as an Oh, you have to respect that star quality. Yeah. I don't really agree with that. To I be don't honest. agree with that whatsoever. Because but, the but, but Donna was saying, but Donna was Donna is probably one of the best studio directors they ever loved. So you know, stands the reason that you know he probably was right in that yeah. time. Like you know, I mean, there's a fine line when it comes to. I know we're completely getting away from your topic, yeah, Mickey, okay. but there's a fine line when it comes to it in the fact that they kind of keep the egos in check. What is on the topic? What is on topic? Yeah. Like? If you keep the egos in check and the egos in balance, and obviously it it, it makes for a more harmonious harmonious shoot, and you'll probably get the best performance if you've got a good working relationship. Say if your actor or actress is a diva, but then at the same time on a, a sort of basic level and a basic understanding, you're thinking, well, I fair enough, you've done good work, but you know, being humble and being modest, you would assume comes along. I'm just being a good fucking person comes along with, it, and why the fuck should you basically be able to turn Aye. this whole set? 
and the almost like a sort of fascist dictatorship and we love on your every fucking word because let's be honest we at the end of the day you're an actor and everybody bums up the actual profession of acting but you're when it comes down to it spoken a wheel that's what you're like when, yeah. when it comes down to it you're a spoken a wheel and you go out there for a couple of hours every day and pretend to be somebody else you know what I mean and it's really fucking overwrought and, and how people mm. think about actors as being these visionaries but you know when you put it down to that basic level that's not the case and go ahead Mickey no I was just going to say from from what you hear like from what you hear about like people doing interviews with people if they like way actors if they say like oh he's, he's really lovely he's really nice all you have to do to be seen as the nicest person as an actor is just not be a dick yeah. <laughs> if you're not a dick hey. then you're the best actor like I, nicest person to also like it's, it's like a thing we, we've talked about on a, on a fucking job we're going at the minute is, is like it's the bottom fucking line I, I, I think with all sort of production is do your job and don't be a cunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really is. It's a bottom fucking line. But that's in any walk of life. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, no, like, but I mean, like, do you know what? It's different when you work on like we film. Like it's different to TV. I think. I think wankers get ahead in TV. I really do. Right? Like because I know because. I think like if it's a, pres- a presenter-driven thing, I think it's that thing. It's all, oh, yeah, of course that's right, isn't it? You know, and it's you just need like, that ego. You need it, that Jeremy Kell sort thing. of just, and people, are, people try to feign this assumption of, oh, yeah, of course that is. That, you know, th- this sort of attitude of, of, of almost a presenter. You know, they're not on screen, these these sorts of people, but but they're sort of going, oh, well, of course, that's, that's how you would make that sort of show. Whereas film... I think it's a dramatic, it's a creation, it's more artistic, where they kind of yeah. go, well, what do you think? Everybody's going, what do you, th- you know, what do you think? They're, they're trying to make the best possible fucking piece of work. Yeah. Whereas on TV, it's like, uh, how many formulas have you seen? You know, yeah. and they're testing how many formulas you've seen. If you've seen more formulas than the other person, it's just like, all right, well, you know, I mean, oh, no, you know, it's just... Hence why there is a thing called the format you like, so and we're getting way off topic exactly. here. Exactly. But, like but, no, but, no, but it does fucking apply. It definitely does apply to this topic, like, and uh, I think they bring it back. It, it's just, it, it's, uh, you're, you're kind of going with uh, do you meet your heroes or do you find too much out about your heroes as well? As yeah. they always say, you should never meet your heroes. And it's and this, I think, might be a good way to sign off because it was an example that I was trying to uh, bring up earlier on is that the ultimate example of Never Meet Your Heroes was uh, Kevin Smith and Bruce Wallace. Have you heard about this on Cop Out? Uh, ma- yeah, have you heard about it on Three Evening first, though? No. The Three Evening with Kevin Smith? Did you ever no. see it? No, no. I've, I've, I think I've heard him talk about it before, but I can't even mind it. Because uh, well, he worked with him at Die Hard 4. Yeah, that's right. No, he was at Die because Kevin Smith uh, had a bad part in Die Hard 4. I uh, just... Well, anyway, just... We're not going to... I'm not going to sit and quote the whole thing, but... Uh, it's really funny and have a watch, but uh, he was saying that it's it's funny that he worked with him in Die Hard, and then uh, I think there was all this fucking back and forth. Kevin Smith ended up writing this whole scene under the film, because uh, Bruce Willis said I let him write it, mm-hmm. and then so on so on so on. They were on the phone to Fox. Fox were like, "Oh, we don't like the sides are f- too funny or they're too whatever," and so on. And he says, "All right, so who's your second choice to play John McClane?" And he hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Smith was like, oh, Bruce Willis is a badass, blah, 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 whatever. And then he says on Cop Out, then he, he said he kind of saw that sort of attitude directed towards At him. him. Exactly. I, and I thought, no, Bruce Willis is a ball bag. And this is what's kind of <laughs> in a strange way heartbreaking. And it, it, it depends how far you can kind of go on saying, like, you know, these guys who are getting paid millions of pounds, they, you know, make films how much I actually hear about their emotional state, but uh, Kevin Smith always says that, you know, Die Hard's one of his favourite films, he grew up loving Bruce Wallace, he always wanted to work with Bruce Wallace, 
him as a director and Bruce Willis the actor and he finally got him then for Cop Out and the Cop Out in itself is a pizza puss yeah. shitty fucking buddy cop movie and that's besides yeah, the point but he said that Bruce Willis was so difficult during that that it just it actually killed a part of himself because he had this major love of Bruce Willis which was attached to film in general and it just ruined so much of that for him because not only was Bruce Willis a dick in your sort of basic level of oh I'm not coming out of my trailer or I'm refusing to do that scene Bruce Willis would openly call Kevin Smith a dickhead and, and actually like talk down to him and say you're a shit director in front of the whole crew and that's just that's just a complete lack of professional respect and professionalism in general yeah. and he says that that just ruined all his opinion of not only Bruce Wallace but it actually put him off working with big actors again in general okay we'll go on to the next topic who wants to go go for the future one alright go for it um, no it's just having a think of it because uh, there's a friend of mine Patty who I work with at the minute and his favourite film is uh, out of all the films that have ever been made his favorite film was Terminator Two. Yeah, well, that's not a bad thing. It's good. Yeah, Probably, it's I would say, besides Die Hard, maybe the best action film ever made. I best action film. Yeah, best action film. Not, not time n- travel. Not, not the not the best film ever made though. No, no. By no action. stretch. No, no. But uh, <laughs> he's all, and then you tr- you try to say to him, "Ah, but you know what? I think there's better films out there," and he's just all. What, 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 you know, what, what the fuck, you know, what, it's got fucking, you know, it's got like the fucking, you know, you got the robots and all, it's like computers and all, and fucking, yeah, you know, and he's driving his Who car. Who needs that fucking dickhead with a sled? he's driving his car about 90 miles an hour, and he fucking will not listen to you about it. <laughs> just all, and then you got fucking, you know, you know the worst fucking thing is that fucking, what do you call him, what do you call a second robot? T-1000. He's all the T-1000, T-1000. You know who the T-1000 is to me? The T-1000's fucking jaws, Colin. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, he's fucking, Man, that's why he's driving so quick lad in yeah, case you know, fucking a P1000 pops up and kisses up like here it was just this thing I was just sort of fucking thinking about no I was just thinking about what what are the best uh, films that deal with time travel and for me it has to be hands down well we, we could say time travel and alternate realities mm-hmm. but we'll just stick with time travel to fucking limit it maybe I don't know what do you reckon up there, so yeah, well, well, alternate realities kind of go on the time yeah. travel. All right, then, okay. So, for me, for specifically time travel, it has to be back to the future, too. See, this is a controversial one that you always bring up. <laughs> for me, it's it, I, I, I don't even think there's an argument. I mean, like, I think it's just generally accepted the back to the future original is, is so much better, it's so much yeah. superior. I could thank two, two, no, I, two, I, I two's like the, the best for me out of the whole trilogy, and, and for the fact that two. It's definitely my top ten films ever made. Like, really? Oh, I hundred percent. Colin Aaron bleeding his heart out here. Like you know what I mean? If I back no, the future too. But it's brilliant because it's 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 such a great thing that fucking right. You've already got this John. Like they accepted the first kind of strand of this thing. That is like right. This is a John mashup. It's a mad wacky scientist thing mixed with a fucking teen fuck it fucking high school film yeah. mixed with fucking time travel yeah. you know like I, I think but I think that that's cool and it's just but I think the whole thing of, of you know the mother being attracted to you I think it, it's very I just, I just find it very obviously 80s or something mm. it's like one of these things is you know it's like a joke that somebody would say in a bar and so I'll imagine if this happened you know when you had to fucking fuck your mom whatever this kind of stuff <laughs> I would say it's, 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 whereas, whereas I think the second one I think the second one, for so many reasons, is a, is probably one of the richest films going. Like it's fucking, 
It has so many things. I mean, because, let's not forget, Marty McFly is still fucking 17, like. I think that the second one is a lot freer, a film, because first of all, it does need the exposition, and it does need, obviously, the setting up of the original, Aye. and like, setting up the fact that the DeLorean is a time machine. Also, Aye. it sheds itself of that sort of uncomfortable, I think it's the most uncomfortable thing about Back to the Future. It's, it's not even that funny to watch, but obviously Marty McFly's mad coming on them. Even though I watched it last Saturday, and you're like, oh no, Aye. that's just it's, it just it's it's a wee bit but off. See, like it's a, it's actually back to the thing that I said before. Remember about I think that uh, films should stop having origin stories for 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 so many years. I had not seen the first Back to the Future. Yeah. I'd just seen the second one, and it was the only one I'd seen for honestly about eight years. Feels this right now. I, this popped into my head last week when I was watching Back to the Future. It was on fucking ATV two last Saturday before we did last week's podcast, right? Is it ever explained, or is this just an our strange relationship in Back to the Future that's sort of hand waved? How the fuck does Marty McFly know Doc Brown? How do they hang about each other? He, it was never explained. He he plays guitar in his lab. Why? No, because but there's he, no there's no, there's no no no. And what no, Doc no, Brown no, needs no, music no. they work. There's no reason. Still a bit of a sinister relationship that, going that, on there. That's sort of shown to you in one scene, but you there's, could, there's, I, there's literally no explanation. You could it. never get away with that relationship in a modern day film. That well, would be that be frowned upon. It's it's like saying a fifty year old man hanging about with a seventeen year old. It's like saying how does Luke Skywalker know Ben Kenobi? You but mean, that's a different reality. That's no, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's no, no, but not what that is. Explain is that fucking Ben Kenobi fucking. Ah, he's a knows Jedi. Him. It's he's not. That, it's not a Luke yeah. knows There's ben a lineage Kenobi. of Jedi. Ben Kenobi knows him. There's a reason there why Ben Kenobi has to be with Luke Skywalker. Well, well. Marty you the biggest Star Wars fan. Well, Kenobi, that bullshit, Mickey. Jesus, uh, let yourself whoa, down, Mickey. Whoa, whoa, Marty McFly. Met the young Doc back in the fifties. Ah, come so, on. So, so Doc knows Marty. So when when well, he sees him, yes, when he sees him spitting about, he's all. It geez, depends. We're going to get into time travel timelines here, though. You never want to get on that. You no, never want to get on that time travel. Well, right, maybe that maybe, maybe that, that is a hang. Maybe that's 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 a potential answer. Is that Doc knows that he's already met him? I always slag my girlfriend Leeds because I always say to her that she looks like Marty's ma out of like fucking Back to the Future, and she freaks out like I would never fancy my wings, <laughs> and she does not like it whatsoever. <laughs> never fancy my wings. <laughs> you dress up as Marty McFly and I'll get the red bomber on. <laughs> that's how you get a goal again. <laughs> but the thing is, right, been on my hoverboard and all. The thing is, like, I mean, the thing I'm saying about this hero whole thing is that. What Back to the Future 2 has, which the others, none of the others have, is... A bad script. It has elements of Citizen Kane, of... Don't, I'm, no, calm. <laughs> calm, you're, you're reaching something serious here. I'm a fuck. Are you comparing Back to the Future 2 to Citizen Kane? Aye. This is off that church, and I'm going ahead. I'm interested in this. And I'm comparing uh, Back to the Future 2 directly to It's a Wonderful Life. I've done that before as well. No, I, oh, yeah. Theme-wise, I... Theme wise, aye, but it's the exact same thing. Like, you know, with, you know, the guy that owns the bank and it's a wonderful life, that's fucking Biff Tannen, like. Yeah, I don't think you know I mean? it's it it a direct identical. reference. And then you've got, you know, his father being dead in this alternate reality is, 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 uh, is, is, is it the brother and that's a wonderful life? Yeah. I mean, you've got all these really solid elements. The only, th- the only thing that's different is that Marty, instead of if he wasn't there, it's if he was there and made the wrong choice choice by buying that almanac. That's the only difference. And that actually makes it e- slightly even more human because you can see the actual direct, uh, you can see the direct 
uh, knock-on effect of if he had made one choice and bought one thing, which is a seriously corruptible fucking uh, object, and you see the fucking the effect of all that there, and it's a it's a really dark scene that I've probably talked about before in the alternate nineteen eighty five when they're in Doc's fucking lab, and it just comes up. It Marty McFly is like like I uh, just left a screen in Doc's in the background, and he just you just see him. It's really dark and thundering outside, and he goes, "It's my fault. The whole thing is my fault." And it's just out of just a wee tiny bit of greed of just kind of going, I just make a bit of money. That there in the wrong hands just fucks the whole world up. And that is the biggest message to me of Back to the Future 2. And that's why I think it's a fucking unreal film. Like. Do you know what? I'll tell you this isn't Colin Harris for his radio. Let me tell you something. <laughs> he, he's been cooking that one for a minute. Man makes a good point, like, you know. <laughs> in all fairness, I, I still don't agree. It is. 100% like I've always said that Back to the Future 2 is you know it's an excellent film much like the first one but I just think the first one I, I think it, I think it I actually think it transcends its material in the second one it really does it, it, it goes into so much more. it becomes far more than just a genre film in the second one it yeah. becomes something quite serious honourable mention for time travel films and it was actually a film that I think it was yourself mentioned earlier on that's a modern one uh, Looper it's a wee bit on the nose yeah, and it's, it's a wee bit cliche towards the end I, I think the end lets it down a wee bit in the fact that it's slightly predictable but I think that's a cracking time travel film films that are not good time travel films whatsoever and I've also discussed this before because it's a time travel film that presents itself as a time travel film that has literally no time travel in it is <laughs> Sifty Not Guaranteed it does which pre- it does it doesn't no every piece what's, of promotional what's, what's, material what's hey, well that's, that's it's Aubrey Plaza it's uh, is that Groundhog shit or whatever no it's 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 <laughs> not even so much no, it's, it's Aubrey Plaza and Mark Duplass Mark Duplass and Mark Duplass Duplass as I like to say with my, no uh, Duplass is right Duplass is wrong oh, alright Duplass and Mark Duplass <laughs> Duplass the guy so it's about the it's the league and he, well, he thousand dollar feature and all there oh, well, aye, exactly he almost kind of single handedly created Mumblecore with his brother right okay yeah but uh that is is not a good film because that that is that is an indie comedy which is really low budget to try to present itself as being a time travel film. It, it, no, I think the they get bums on seats. The film isn't trying. Like, maybe the traders just the. Yeah, well, I obviously bought on the promotional material right. because I'm a pawn, Mickey. But yeah, I buy into these things. If you watch the film, it never it never tries to say it's a time travel film. It it uses Mickey. I was already watching the film thinking it was a time travel film, so I wasn't doing that when I was watching it. I was still sitting there thinking, when the fuck's he going to go back and whack a dinosaur? You know what I mean? <laughs> when's when's this going to happen? Like, I just thought he was a massive fucking creep. <laughs> <laughs> right, watching that film. Yeah. Why is she hanging around with this guy? Especially he's when the... A wee, no, he's beyond a wee bit crazy. So. Because it, it, I, I was getting to the point thinking, oh, something, something dark is going to happen because it would hint it would hint towards that. It would hint towards that during the film. It's yeah. been it's been years since I've seen that. So, uh, and Aud- Aubrey Plaza's character, we went, oh, maybe something a bit strange here. Mm-hmm. And then he kept getting weirder and weirder. And it, it did seem like a bit like one of those indie films, like oh, we should sort of take Peter on him. He's, oh, he's, he's he's weird, but he's cookie acceptable he's, he's weird. weird. You know no, what I no, mean? Like one of those no, indie no, film no. fucking cliches. What the fuck is he? It's like ah, he might be bipolar, and he might have a fucking you know log sheet as long as his fucking arm, but okay, he's cookie and he's acceptable. But I do get, especially the interview, or sorry, not the interview, but when Aubrey Plaza goes to meet his bunnier's ex girlfriend, Kristen Bell, and she kind of reveals that. They were never even romantically involved, and he was just obsessed with her. Yeah, exactly. And you're thinking to yourself, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's, a very sinister that's, Doctor that's, Who. That's that's the whole thing through the film is that you're never quite sure 
is he mental or is he not kind of thing and that it's the the whole question mark in that film is is about the time travel like is he mental and put an ad in the paper about time travel or can he actually do it and and also why does he want to go back and yep. that's that's a big thing that uh, he asked her the question why do you want to go back that aspect is done very very well yeah that's now, the then film. that <laughs> is that is the film but at the same time and do not disagree with this, it does present itself as being a time travel film no, and there is no time travel on it it doesn't even even in the trailer it has it it presents the question mark of time travel is he mental or is it or is it time travel? I wish I go back in time and fucking cancel this topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, well, I suppose that I don't know if uh, I actually even said it, but the topic was uh, what's your favorite time travel film and why? I, well, I, I think my it's such a fucking boring, cliched answer, but I can't think past Back to the Future. Yeah, I, I don't think I can either. But at but the I, same I, time, I would say that as the trilogy, I don't want to be choosing yeah. one. Honorable mentions, though, like I said, to uh, Looper and Source Code. And uh, also, Primer. we discussed it recently. Primer, yes, Primer's another cracking. Time Cop, no. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad night, is actually a Doctor flag. Who, the movie? No, not at all. It's oh. an absolutely atrocious piece of work. Doctor Who, 50th anniversary? Is that considered a film? It was released theatrically. I, 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 I watched it in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's just considered can a, a can long Can Inception be considered time travel? I know it's it's like memory travel. It's, no, man, that's dream nah, travel, man. You know what I mean? Just give it a time, man. That's dream travel. travel. That's dream weaving. <laughs> dream weaving is completely different to time travel. He's a dreamy seamstress. <laughs> <laughs> a dreamstress. <laughs> or what do you call the other one? Interstellar? There's there's a bit of timey wimey oh, stuff yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, it's not really, though. It brings into the question of it's time. It's, it's a bit of a uh, physics seamstress. He, he, he knocks over the books and all that crap. I pose Spotted. a question. <laughs> and I know for a fact what the answer is going to be. Is the curious case of Benjamin Button a time travel film? No. It's just a boy going backwards. It's just a boy fucking walking backwards. <laughs> but, uh, actually, I love that film. It's lovely. And uh, as a very quick point on that, I was always very uh, surprised but also impressed in the fact that David Fincher was always known for his uh, kind of gritty... Uh, social sort of well gritty films we sort of a social conscious like you say like Seven or you say Fight Club or even like the Lexa Zodiac and then when he made The Curious Case of Benjamin Button a lot of critics came out and said oh that's it's very light it's, it's almost like Dave Fincher doing like it's, a it's, it's, it's almost like light, a, I know it's but it's really it's, it's, it's but it just shows really it's, like it's, it. it's it's light for Fincher because they were saying like it's almost like Fincher doing Capra you know like Frank Capra and it's it, it doesn't have that bite it's, but at the same time I think it's not like Capra that's what I'm saying I think a lot of critics must appoint the fact that I think that The Curious Case of Benjamin Button is I wouldn't say dark but like a, a very Unsettling film, or no, not unsettling, but a heartbreaking film. It's a tragedy. It's it's a heartbreaking film, and the fact that they can only ever him and Cable and shit can only ever meet once at the same age for like I think four years, and then he goes on they become a fucking baby where she ages on the old woman. Uh, Heartbreaker. The the last bit of that film where he's a kid, like it's fucking brutal. (laughs) It's so So well, like (laughs) it was on film for there. During the week, I called the end. Do you know one of the, 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 I think the saddest scenes of the film is when, uh, what do you call him, who played his father? Uh, I don't remember. The button business and stuff, but he comes up and he, he's an old man. And you see him briefly at the start, he, he leaves him on the on the doorstep. But then he, 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 he uh, you know, he, he, he gives him this button business as an older man. And he tells him that I'm your father and stuff. And, 
it's just this uh there's a similar scene in the rum diary and uh it's he's surrounded like uh right, the, the character is there close to the camera but they're surrounded by industry and surrounded by something you know like which which uh they're, they're surrounded by uh machines and things that represent industry and modernity and they're told something very important and it's just i love when scenes are constructed like that because he said right you know and because the character benjamin button was a very unassuming character the whole way through it and then his father just says right i'm your father i'm about to die i'm just going to give you this button business that i have and it's like it's all he has and I think I think it's what because it was written by S. Scott Fitzgerald the guy that wrote uh, The Great Gatsby and it's kind of like all that you have I think what Gatsby always talked about was that all you have and the world is what you make of the world you know and Benjamin Button was happy before he was kind of told that so all this sort of other stuff is just kind of voiced upon him and that's why it's so tragic and that he never knew his father and he probably would have happier if he didn't know him you know, and it's just a scene where, you know, it's, he's already quite a tragic character and then he's just given this stuff and it's a lovely shot of Brad Pitt wearing glasses and stuff and he's surrounded by this factory and it's like, major tell me you're my father after having not been a part of my whole fucking life and you're going to be a part of my life for the next five minutes before you die. You know, it's it's a really, but the whole film was about time so it, it suits it, you know, it really does suit it. And then he's, I think he spends a sunlight with his father, in, or a, a sundown with his father, in, but it's it's really, really nice. Like. I'm also going to throw on, and you made some very good points there, uh, I'm going to throw on a, a, mag, a big crowbar, a big curveball, sorry, as a time travel film, and I personally think it is a time travel film, given the context of a film. Memento. Mm. No. <laughs> no, but Memento was a time travel film for the main character, and it is his perspective that you are experiencing the film through. So I think as a curveball, you could, in a very, very, very tenuous way, consider Memento a time travel film. Hmm. Well, I am not going to do that, but you can challenge Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm very proud of that. Can we call Demolition Man a time travel film? You know yes, what? We're going to get definitely. off of <laughs> <laughs> What a fucking crack. What a but fucking at the same time. fucking show. Like. <laughs> and you know what? That bleeds perfectly into my topic. Of, if, are we done with that one? I'm going to jump on the mind because Demolition Man is the perfect fucking uh, entrance way on the mind. My topic is it about main characters banging their daughters. How did you know? <laughs> Rum Polanski, I love that. But oh, uh, <laughs> oh bit controversial. But uh, my topic this week, very straight and to the point. Intense. I can't believe we've taken this long to do it. But guilty pleasures, films that were critically or maybe well more so critically bashed, but you love. But first, Ghost Rider. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, I can see why you like it. Can't stand it's just, like, oh, uh, it's just, well, that's the whole point of a guilty pleasure. It's just pure ridiculous. You know I feel no guilt about like yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's just a pleasure then. You know it's shit, but I know, you know I, what I mean? I know it's shit, but I just I enjoyed it. You know it's shit, but you enjoyed it. Just, I, I know it's a bad film, and I know when Nicolas Cage keeps doing that stupid pointing thing, it's shit but I like it. <laughs> and this is why I was so excited for the second Ghost Rider because it was done by, what do you call them, the people that did uh, Gamer and Crank films. Ah, uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Neville Dean, Neville Dean and Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, wasn't Dean wasn't Taylor. he like pushing fire out of his deck at one point? 
I think so. <laughs> I, I, he lights gas with his piss, I believe. That's right, don't you? But I, I was so excited for the second one then because it was them doing it. And it's like, oh, it's going to be like fucking crank, but it's going to be Ghost Rider. It's all right, fucking like and all there. And I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It was so strange. By, by all the math, it, I should like it. Because you thought to yourself too, were them two at the helm? You thought that they can make and this as fucking mad as big, possible. Big dress as well, mm. isn't it? Big dressy, yeah, he well, is he indeed. Is, is thousand year old wine. <laughs> by the way, for the listener, in case you haven't picked up on this, a big dress is... Uh, Idris the, Elba. Yeah, the very well-respected actor, Idris Elba. Lufa! I'm fucking... I'm, I'm a fucking... I'm copper. fucking James Bond, innit? <laughs> big, huge, hackney cunt. That's where he's from. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Uh, I had another one there, but I'll just go for this one. Uh, Simone? The, the Al Pacino one? Hmm. That's fucking shitless. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, I mean, that stands the reason c- for c- our c- case of point. Look, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, like, I I can even find anything good. But gonna, well, you're gonna you're you're about to won me over. Go, not but the whole thing about. I mean, uh, I thought I thought actually you would like it, but uh, I just think it's a really interesting perspective on where Hollywood's probably going. Is you know the, the whole thing of oh, can you be a bit more like this or can you be a bit more like that? And you know, I mean, it all started with John Wayne. The guy was called Marianne Morrison yeah. and says, right, change your name to John Wayne. We want you to do this and do that and do that and so on. And he was kind of the first person to really do that and sign off on all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But then now it's like, oh, you, you know, the, you have like you're surrounded by so many agents and people that say you have to be like this and you have to be like that and you can't say that and you can't push that point too far because people might not like that and we have to sell the fuck out of your film, blah, 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 so on. So what happens in this film is Al Pacino's this art house director and pretty much not a very good art house director because nobody goes to see his films. And then this massive fan of his films uh, comes and gives him this uh, program where he can digitally create uh, an actor which can be dropped into any scene, anywhere, and it can be exactly the way he wants it. Exactly the way he wants it to look and sound and feel and everything. And eye colour, you know, weight, whatever. Whatever he wants. And so, essentially, he creates this sort of superstar actor. Mm-hmm. Who can do Simone. essentially anything. Simone Simulation 1. And uh, the thing is... That screenwriter wasn't paid enough, eh? Hey? That screenwriter wasn't paid enough. What do you mean? I'm saying for coming up with names like that, simulation. Oh, well, whatever. Like, I mean, it was, it, it was that's a pretty good. But yeah, the whole thing, actually, funnily enough, the actor that plays Simone wasn't credited in the film. I like the when I first came out. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the whole thing then is, is that uh, he, by accident, in this shite art house film that he's made, that nobody would normally watch, creates this fucking overnight superstar. Mm. And then he, he he tries everything because he hates the because f- he thought he wanted the popularity and he doesn't want the popularity. He hates the popularity and then he makes a shite film about her crawling around like wee pigs eating apples and all. <laughs> they, they they try and discredit her name and discredit his name. Take but, your truffle, Simone. Aye, but like, and there's real pigs in her crawling around and all. And and, and, the, and like it's one of these things where it's like he tries to discredit the whole thing, but they love her even more for being so brave and all. And he tries everything to try and bash her name, and he just can't do it because they just love her so much. And he, it's a whole film about star power, and it's. It, they 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 literally do not believe that she's a computer simulation, and I I just find that kind of thing. I mean, it's the same guys that uh, I think wrote Truman Show, 
I, I, I really think it's a seriously underrated film and it's there's so many beautiful and jokes in it and they, they actually shoot it I think on the Paramount lot as well and there's so many old hands that are sort of pop up in the script and it's I I, I, I do like that film I, that's fair enough and that's hence why it's, it's your guilty pleasure I always just found we was well, that a guilty pleasure I think it's a good film oh it's a good film I always just found with Simone that it was a great idea but just executed maybe not so great Dom mm. guilty pleasure okay Get to your trough, Simone. <laughs> Get to your trough, Simone. <laughs> two first films, trough and trough two. No, it's, it's personal. A guilty pleasure because it's been a favourite film of mine for at least twenty-three years now. <laughs> okay. Transformers the movie, the original. Oh, Orson Welles. Oh, oh yes, yes. That's, that's no guilty pleasure. That's a good film. That's right? good film. No, but it is a guilty <laughs> pleasure. Yeah, but it has kind of locked down on there. Like. <laughs> Concerning it's Orson Welles' last role. Yeah. What, what, what do you want to watch? Yeah. Can, can we watch a cartoon film from the 80s? No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch Die Hard. There's an argument to be made the best Transformers film. Well, it is the best Transformers film. <laughs> it, it shits yeah. on anything that Michael Bay's spat Hands out. on plates. Yeah. It's the best <laughs> no, I can't, I can't bid it. I can't. I don't actually like those 80 power ballads. But when it comes to Transformers movie, you got the touch. <laughs> you got the power. Straight straight away, I was just like, yeah, I'm fucking hot rod. I'm hot rod. Right? <laughs> 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 he's just fucking driving around. Fucking, what is it? Ultron? Ultron's uh, body. And Ultron's body. He's trying to fucking be all spikes and we're trying to kill him and it just plays plays it at the end it's like yes yes he's already I'm got there I'm there with you Megatron's already and I killed Optimus Prime and Ultra Mag Ultra Magnus is it Ultra Magnus uh, possibly he, try, he tries to be the next Prime but no he's shit he has to be he's he's, he's fucking bottles it mate I swear <laughs> he sucks is, is there Eric Idle in that <laughs> yeah, I think so. Where they get to a junkyard, a scrapyard planet, and then they're in, and then they're like, Ip stay or the Upis stay. <laughs> Life Optimus just and they they they're, they're kind of like Transformers, but they kind of look like Mongol warriors or something. They have like even when they transform, they have the little things. Classic Hollywood casual racism there. Like, <laughs> but I have to say another one though, which uh, you know, there's a there's a bit of a Michael Bay thing going on here. People hate Michael Bay. Really? The Rock is fucking. The rock's, rock's a class. fucking. Class. I have no offense. The Rock has even looked down on. The Rock is seen as. I, would, I think it, the, the Rock is seen as like Michael Bay's man. No, but, 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 no, but it's film. like everybody thinks fucking cool. They hate Michael Bay when they just go. Oh, it's gonna be weird. I the think fucking The Rock is a fucking good show. I think it's like, cool they like Michael Bay, but I think everybody concedes that The Rock is pretty fucking good. Like, nah. you know what? The, I, I think. A Hans Zimmer going fucking his best. Dun, 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 dun. Da, da, don't go, da, go, go, go. Gladiator, The Rock, Batman, <laughs> I think a universal guilty pleasure is Conner. Oh, fuck. Oh, here we go. Don't even talk to me. Conner is fucking lethal. <laughs> That's one of Jill's favourite films. It's fucking unreal. It's so good, even though it is so noticeably fucking shit. <laughs> it's so, I ain't going so to hurt good. you, Walt Timer. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what is it again? Put it down or the bunny gets it. That is John Malkovich no, at the peak of his powers. Cyrus the virus. Cyrus the virus. No, but it's about the, uh, the boy finds out that he's fucking, he's a wee fucking double agent. Cameron Poe. Aye, he's a power double agent, yeah. 
And he's just all like, why is I put the bunny back in the box? <laughs> you know, and Remember, he's all, I knew it was bullshit, man. <laughs> I knew it was a put the bunny. But I knew you were, I knew you were a bullshit. I put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking earlier on, though, about, obviously. I just fucking threw some on top of a while or something. <laughs> we were talking earlier on about characters making films great you know well written characters uh, even how small or bigger but then I think that Connor takes it to the R level in the fact that those characters are pretty stock and piss poor but because they're given the right amount of kind of I don't know what you would say pizzazz or attitude so many they minor picked characters right, they picked the right actors and too and like. it was all about the casting too but so many of the big characters and maybe it's enhanced by how strong the cast is but so many of the big characters are so memorable like you got Johnny twenty three and you got what do you call Diamondback and you've got like fuck uh, uh Garland Green that's Steve Buscemi Garland Green, Garland Green but like Garland Green I think as a kid I think uh Conair's ninety six or ninety seven and for me as a kid it was the first time that essentially and I think they kind of allude to the fact that and it's a wee bit uncomfortable when they present them as being a good guy at the end that Garland Green yeah. is supposed to be like a pedophile and a cello killer Aye. also straight there in front of you straight there in front of me. Right me what a lot of people <laughs> also forget is that uh, Dave Chappelle is in Connor yeah. which That's everybody right, forgets was he Cuba or something or what was his ah, name ah fuck knows his name but uh, my Apo what's his name what's no, your, your nickname I'm not sure it was Apo anyway, he gets fucking chewed up by a fucking wheel I mean <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my guilty pleasure and I'll keep it quick because obviously we're trying to move on is uh, Citizen Kane no I am a joke it's uh, <laughs> my guilty pleasure is GMTV Kindergarten Cup oh phenomenal phenomenal picture good right up there in the top three it's, no, it's, it's definitely not That's the top great, three um, motion picture listen I'll just say it very quickly Arnie as a fish out of water well essentially just Arnie's always a fish out of water technically in all his films ridiculously good Ham teaching wings unbelievable one two three four probably the greatest Han, line of dialogue two, probably the greatest line of dialogue ever wrote in cinema and oh. number three it has your 90s template villain a villain with a ponytail and an overbearing muller Michael <laughs> next topic and it, and it has and it has actually the, the typical 90s uh, girl yeah Penelope Ann Muller he's got a bit of baggage no Penelope Ann Muller Al Pacino Curio's Way, Arnie Kindergarten Cop, Bernard Brando, and fucking what do you call him? That shite film about being a gangster with fucking Ferris Bueller, what do you call it? What the fuck are you always Some Matthew other place. Matthew Baldrick. Something about the it? mafia, Martin Brando was in it, and it was a pure payout. But it was Penelope Ann Miller, and it's fucking shocking the amount of actors she's worked with. And, uh, Even though she's completely not that I forgot about. Exactly. Anyway. Okay, and we'll move on to recommendations. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. My recommendation this week is uh, Local Hero. Uh, 1983, Bull Forsyth. Probably just one of the nicest, most lovely films you'll ever see, essentially. it And it's, it's again, it's quite prescient today. Uh, we like the sort of the capitalist world that we love in. Uh, it is about a oil tycoon from who are based in Houston going to this small sleepy Scottish village up in you know just past the highlands outside Aberdeen or I think it's around there and they're trying to essentially buy out this small village because they want to uh, completely convert this beautiful looking uh, wee town into an oil refinery uh, so he sends his best man out there to negotiate with the people and it kind of flies in the face of uh, usual kind of big business against small town small town dynamics and the fact that the people in the town are 
completely happy to just sell up and, and make fucking millions and millions of pounds themselves except one resident who's essentially this old beach bum who owns the beach and that's the last part of land that they can't buy but without this beach they can't own the whole place and build a refinery and then as this kind of cold-hearted narcissistic oil man like a, a sort of 80s daniel Plainview or a modern daniel Plainview. i'm an old man as or, he's there, or a modern, modern day Donald Trump, or a modern day Donald Trump, because I mean, in all fairness as well, I think fucking it was so Donald effective Trump. because it was major and fucking you know the start of Reaganomics and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But whilst he's there, as as these films tend to do, he, he falls in love with the town. He realizes because his life is so empty in Houston, and he, his life is completely dedicated just to making a buck, and he doesn't even have a relationship or a family. He even says on the film that he prefer he prefers paging people this is you know as the 80s but he prefers paging people as opposed to having fisty fist conversations it falls in love it falls in love with this uh beautiful film there's a lot of magic realism on there there's uh, these beautiful beautiful shots of, of this small village and it's just a nice story in general an amazing score actually the score is now probably more famous than the film the score is by mark Knopfler from dire streets beautiful beautiful score that just kind of enhances these sort of earthly humanist tones as Forsyth is trying to create and as well for Doctor Who fans uh, there is a 24 year old Peter Capaldi in one of his first film roles on there oh, as the yes. goofball and he is uh, very very funny but it's just a lovely film and in all fairness it was something we talked about a few weeks back I think it's a perfect hangover film just to make you smile right <laughs> uh, I'm going to recommend uh, Pale Raider mm. you ever seen Pale Raider? Clint it's a Clint Eastwood film. Um, he's playing a cowboy against farm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it was just uh, just sheer, a uh, 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 pure confidence of a film, like, I have to say, hey. And uh, th- th- there's there's one or two shots that let it down. The rest of the film was perfect. You know, mm-hmm. It's one of the only films, one of the only westerns that really shows you the expanse of like a frontier western, and it has a lovely brown Victorian mahogany kind of texture to it. A lot of the clothes are brown, and so it just has this really brown feed to it, and like shade color, just like dirty <laughs> turd in the front of the screen. But uh, no, and uh, it doesn't try and make it look beautiful. It just makes it look like. Yeah. you know what it was you know and you're just living out in the woods like it's just really good Colorado that kind of thing and all and uh, I mean the story's really good and the acting's really good and uh, it takes a few turns here and there that you wouldn't expect but uh, I think Pale Raiders are good, a good shout like Sweet Dominic well, my recommendation it's not really for the faint hearted mm-hmm. oh, no spread too it's not kindergarten <laughs> cop is it <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's it's worse than that, right? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. what's your saying? It's a film called Come and See. Oh, I've seen that. Probably eh? the best war film ever made. Uh, Nineteen eighty-five, a, a Belarusian made, made during the Soviet era. So, from the Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic. It's supposed to be made well. 40 years after the end of the Second World War. Now, if you know anything about what was going on in Belarus between the war years, that is the most direct route from Berlin to Moscow, like through Belarus. Completely and utterly scorched earth. Uh, Fucking horrific. Fucking horrific. Horrific to the point that the film actually doesn't have a narrative. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I think as as not as a great war film, but as a great anti war film. Yes. But, uh, great point. It's it's a great anti war film. You you what you you see a teenage boy called Florian and he, he wants to join the, the the Belarusian partisans. So he joins and he, he goes through it. He joins it and then the partisans are oh no, we we don't, we don't sort of want you because you're too young, you're too hasty. You know, you you're not going to be good enough for what we need you to do. And then he gets lost. He gets lost in the woods. But the actual psychological oblivion, the psychological Armageddon, that is World War Two, on the Eastern Front. You see it play on this young man's mind. Mm. There's a point like he he loses his hearing quite quite early on now i was never sure if the film is set over a couple of days or over weeks or months yeah i think that's a beautiful one and the fact that it's it's, be, it's not supposed to be like a narrative i be, think it's because, more like an artistic yeah, experience. Exactly. I, I think okay. because yeah. it's supposed to be almost like a visual representation yes. of a horror yes. war yeah. it doesn't matter if it takes yeah. place over a day or right. over fucking 10 I, years i mean that's what kubrick said about full metal jack he said i don't i don't want to be specifically any war he says i wanted the film to be about yeah. war yeah and this 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 is i don't think this film is actually about war i think it's about the disintegration of Humanly, in, on on an individual level, mm. which maybe only people in Eastern Europe could, and maybe the acting's a wee bit hammy, but then this is Belarus, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, but I mean that's no. not the point. That's the the, the context point. and the setting completely swallow it up straight away, and you just forget about that because of how you, on on the nerve on the bone it is. And it's so satisfying getting to that final part of the film because I, I think that's why it's the greatest anti-war film in the world. But it's not for the faint-hearted. Mm. So satisfying getting there. That film was always probably Boston for a push because you've been yeah. sitting there for four hours, like you know. What I mean? uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my my recommendation. Don't I say half thinking of inventing a water pole? <laughs> 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 Take out the pole and just fucking push it. <laughs> zip, zip it up. So I know about your wee water pole. You know, just to stand up for your house. Watch, watch, watching a four-hour show. Look. <laughs> like many great men have said before, when in doubt, push yourself. You know what I mean? When in doubt, when in doubt, push in somebody's pillow. <laughs> <laughs> push in somebody's kettle. Push in somebody's cushion. Push in somebody's dog. Push in somebody's fucking socks. Push in somebody's ma. Push up somebody's ear. Push in somebody's granny. Push in somebody's hair. Push in somebody's care. Push in somebody's fucking toothbrush. Push in somebody's dreams. Uh, fucking push up your hole. Make your rubbish up. I think the last one is the hardest one to do. But uh, no, my recommendation is. Uh, what we did in the shadows, I stole oh, from Shan earlier because so he mentioned it. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, Jemaine from uh, Flight of the Concords and it's the Three Mockers from New Zealand. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a it's a done documentary style about these four vampires just living in Wellington and just kind of hanging out. Basically, <laughs> that's the whole film. But uh, what's really good about it is the four vampires are from like different decades so you have like a Nosferatu kind of one yeah. and you get like kind of a sexy Dracula a, a, a Robert Pattinson sort of one too aye, yeah. and you, aye, then you get the kind of wee tween kind of Robert Pattinson Twilight kind of one and it's it's just it's fake documentary thing and 
a the, mockumentary. A mockumentary. I don't like saying that. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, so uh, it's obviously like a lot improvised and all, and it's just a really fucking funny film. And there's uh, Reese Darby's in it as well, and he's a he- he's the head of a pack of werewolves. And one of his lines is were werewolves, not swear wolves. <laughs> he doesn't they, like them swear. <laughs> they abhor cuss words. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's really fucking funny and it's a good watch and there you go. Bam! <laughs> okay, and we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact with us, weigh in on some of our topics, even suggest your own topic, you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies or you can email us let's talk more movies at gmail.com mm. you can also leave us comments reviews or rate us on itunes and stitcher and also on acast uh. where you can get interactive show notes and links best place to listen to this yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening i have been your host michael uh. breslin Sean Coyle's been Sean Coyle yay calm uh. heron's been calm heron oh, dominic film's been dominic film yeah Episode 21, baby. 21. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Butter up my face, baby. Lower down them wheels, baby. I watched Lego porn this week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.